Hey, welcome to the 313th episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I'm currently talking about uh, Amazing Spider-Man from 1967. And uh, I just recently did a also uh, an off of mind episode and sometimes talking about movies. There's one I never talked about that I was going to, but maybe someday still. Anyways, if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, that is sad for me, but you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash jmanfromheck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash jmanfromheck. I had like a, a cough. You know, I try to, I do my, the same intro every week. I had a cough that was like about to pop out and I was like fighting it. And I, it went away, thankfully. So uh, this week, welcome. Uh, what are we going to talk about? The the movie feature this week is Gran Turismo. I guess I do have some some stuff to say about that because when I was looking at that, I was, I was just like, I, I mean, I know I should save it for for when I get there, but I was just like, really? So we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. I, I I played the game. I like the game. I haven't played it in recent ones, obviously. Uh, we also have Ahsoka. I guess it's just Ahsoka. I keep wanting to say like Star Wars Ahsoka, but uh, we have two episodes of that, so that that's cool. A couple more Twisted Metal, another Harley Quinn, My Adventures with Superman, and um, just a tiny bit of news. So actually, I guess I should start off saying I'm back at school. We had a three day week. I survived. It was it was it was a good week. Yeah, I mean, I started day one. Boom, notes. Boom, homework. And uh, it, it's it's always because you know I do middle school. In case you know you you weren't weren't didn't remember weren't sure and you know teaching math and it's it's always it's always a little hesitant with the sixth graders because you know they're used to in elementary school now they're in middle school and you know they may not have homework every day i mean i'm sure they do now because you know talking to their their teachers and you know just like sometimes they get intimidated like i don't know we're gonna have a, a test or but i don't even call them tests i call them quizzes and uh, so yeah it's, it's like you know trying to be delicate and understanding but it's like also it's like hey you're you're getting ready for the big leagues and even though it's middle school since i taught high school before that's my goal is to get them ready for high school and i i don't play games you know i may go on tangents about random things but the the math we're like hardcore to, to get to the curriculum and then some so uh it was a good first week so um yeah 179 weeks ago something like that no, no, I mean, 30, no, 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 35 weeks ago. It's 36 weeks, right? Whew. Anyways, let's get it with the news. There, there's not a whole lot of news. Warner Brothers, I, I think, I'm trying to remember what, what's been, what I mentioned or not, but obviously there's delays. Dune 2, we, we know this was coming. It was supposed to come out November 3rd. It's now March 15th, 2024. Godzilla X Kong is that what the name of the movie? I can't even keep track of these. That was supposed to be on March fifteenth, but now that's being bumped to April twelfth, twenty twenty four. So it's only like a month, and obviously it's getting bumped for for Dune. You don't want to open Dune and Godzilla. You know, a studio is not going to open two movies against each other. If there's other stuff, sometimes they even try to avoid that. 
There's an animated Lord of the Rings, which is supposed to be like, I think it's like a prequel. It's like, before, I don't even know. I haven't really been following anything about that. But that was supposed to come out on March 12th. But King Kong is bumping it to December 13th, 2024. So that's crazy. And that, that would really stink if you're involved with it. Because, you know, right now you may be putting finishing touches ready. It's like, okay, and it's coming out in April. Now you got to wait. It's like, crap. It's like over a year till it's coming out. Till you can tell your friends, hey, look what I worked on. And so that that's crazy. But ho- hopefully, you know, they can use that time and, you know, make sure it's, it's really awesome. And, and I don't even know what stage. I don't even know who's in it, who's voicing it. Is Chris Pratt doing something in there? <laughs> Chris Pratt is like voicing Gandalf's grandfather. I don't know how what the time period is. I don't know how old is Gandalf. <laughs> We're not here for that. Um, but Wonka, is it just Wonka? The t- Timothy Chal- Ch- Chalmay? Ch- Ch- whatever. It, that's coming out December 20th still. So at least we have something <laughs> coming out in December. And, and I think um, Aquaman 2 is also com- staying. Wait, that doesn't make sense because is Aquaman 2? That's not December 20th. Are they when? I think Aquaman and Wonka are still coming out in December. But now I'm starting to second guess Wonka. Let's move on. Oh, you know what I realized? <laughs> I never watched the trailer for Rebel Moon. So Rebel Moon trailer came out, and you know how I feel. Um, part of me, I'll admit, it's like I didn't want to watch it right away because you know you know there's gonna be people like like oh look at this trailer. It got it got a hundred views in the first day. It got more than a hundred views, I'm sure. And, and I didn't want to add that one view to that first day streaming, whatever, which is so ridiculous, so insignificant. I was going to watch. I did see one of my Facebook friends, quote unquote friends, uh, mentions like, it's like, was this trailer done with AI or something like that? And so I, I really don't know. I, I haven't seen the trailer. I haven't even seen like screenshots from the trailer. So I, I really don't know what to expect about that. And um, but I guess it's coming out December 22nd, so we have that to look forward to. I did see a little little soundbite, or like a quote, what uh, Zack Snyder said, that one of the things that always made him laugh about Star Wars, or so ridiculous, whatever, is that everyone is apparently dressed the same. Everyone's dressed like Tatooine. Mm, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I mean, I mean, yeah, people on Tatooine dress in cloaks and drab colors because you're on a desert planet and it's not like you're really going for fashion maybe jedis wear that too is that i think that's just coincidental but i I wouldn't say everyone i mean look at all the padme costumes or all the leia costumes and you know we've seen scenes on coruscant where people are dressed differently i i don't know I, I, I don't know if i agree with that i mean look how greedo is dressed he's wearing like an orange vest or whatever so I wouldn't say that everyone dresses the same, but it's just that who are the majority of characters? A lot of characters, strangely, are from Tatooine, and a lot of characters are Jedi. But whatever, I, I guess Zack Snyder's cracked the code. You know, everyone dresses differently. Okay. Uh, Gen V, that's what it's called, right? Gen V is coming out on September 29th. So that's the spinoff from The Boys. And it's, it's basically like the young heroes at the, the Voight University or something like that. And, you know, I, apparently they don't like Homelander. Who, who would like Homelander? You mean such a jerk. But, man, the way that last season ended, uh, I, I understand it and, and it's fine. But I'm not happy. But we'll see. And apparently it's going to have a three-episode premiere. 
It's like, really? I'm sorry, I don't have time to sit and watch three episodes at once. You know, especially when I'm trying to watch other stuff. And and if, if you have the time to watch three episodes, that's awesome. I wish I did. But when I'm trying to, I can't even read all the comics. <laughs> Boo-hoo, Tony. Um, speaking of Star Wars, I didn't, I'm so out of the loop on, on certain things. But apparently they're remastering Star Wars Dark Forces. So that was like the first person shooters from the... Is so it from the 90s? It must be from the 90s. And I, I like that game. You know, I, I have the, the PlayStation 1 version. You know, I, I don't do uh, like PC gaming. And it, it was it was a fun game. You know, it's a first-person shooter in, you know, Star Wars universe. And it's it's a little clunky because the way, you know, you move in first person and, you know, no one really moves like that. But, you know, going after, you know, Stormtroopers and stuff like that, it, it, was, it was a fun game. And it was Kyle Katarn in there right i'm 99.7 percent sure it was kyle katarn and i'm always i was always bummed that he never we never saw a live action kyle in anything but looking at the trailer it, it, um, i mean maybe it's because i'm not sure what the original ones look like and i i thought i heard that, that the the trailer was supposed to be like a side-by-side compare i didn't notice that maybe i just wasn't paying attention i mean i didn't see anything like original graphics new graphics it looks it does look outdated which is fine i mean it's not like they're gonna revamp the whole you know redo the whole thing but um that that's cool that i i still have my copy for playstation We'll see. Uh, CW president, I think it was a president. He was on, I think he was like on a podcast or something like that because everyone has podcasts. Uh, <laughs> and um, he he was talking about Superman and Lois. He, he kind of hinted, and there was like no confirmation or anything like that, but dudes, you got to watch out what you're saying. He kind of hinted that it could continue beyond this next season, you know, and he's saying, he basically pretty much said that there's no reason it wouldn't if it was profitable like if it's you know if it's popular and profitable why wouldn't it you know why wouldn't they it's not like oh this is making a lot of money but we're gonna end it the only the only reason would be if there's like some legality reason you know and since the cw isn't is it even owned by warner brothers did they completely sell their their share in it but you know they probably own the rights it's it's and it could be like how Sony owns Spider-Man rights, and you know, as long as they keep making Spider-Man movies, they keep the rights, unless you renegotiate. So I don't know. Blue Beetle, uh, the director, so he wants Jason Sudik, Sudik. How do you say his name? Sudik, the Ted Lasso guy. Which I still need to watch that show. I, I'm like, I think I'm one of the, maybe two or three people who haven't watched it yet. But uh, so they want him. The director wants him as Ted Cord. We would love to have him, you know, in, in some future incarnation movie or something or whatnot. Maybe not even something that he's involved with, but he, you know, he would like to have him play Ted Cord, which would be cool. Because you know, there, there's talk of doing a Booster Gold, so you know, if we do Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Who knows? We'll have to see what, what's coming up. And uh, also, James Gunn. There, there was um, there was a rumor or something like that that Ben Affleck did a voice cameo in blue beetle but it was cut because you know james james gunn and peter saffron like cut it out because you know no more ben affleck batman or whatever but he's like uh i never heard of i never heard it any voice cameo because it never existed and he's like you could ask producers you know there was never anything so obviously they didn't cut it because it wasn't there but people 
people make up rumors and, and sometimes someone says something and, you know, it's just real easy to be like, yeah, I heard this. And then you're assuming someone's not going to completely make up something. And even if someone wasn't like making up something, you know, that, that's probably someone probably thoughts. I don't know. Um, James Gunn also, you know, someone someone asked him, he's like, are you making a young Superman? Because, you know, we're talking about how Jaime Reyes is, is young and everything like that. And the, the Superman actor is younger than Henry Cavill. But he's like, no, it's like, I'm not making a young Superman movie. I'm just making a Superman movie. So, okay, that, that, that's cool. And uh, like I said, not a lot of news. The last bit is uh, Disney is going to be releasing Mandalorian season one and two on 4K, uh, Loki season one, WandaVision. They're getting 4K. They're getting steel books, and I'm a sucker for steel books. But I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's going to be hard because you know they cost money. But if you haven't watched, or even if you have watched, because that that's the thing. You know, we, we kind of take for granted all these shows that are streaming, like, like oh, Disney Plus has all this stuff, but we know, just like on other stuff, stuff disappears. I mean, who would have thought that, like, Westworld would be removed off of an HBO streaming thing, but they removed it. It's, it is removed, right? They, they removed it so they could license it out to other streaming services. That's fine if you have access to the other ones, but if you don't, and then there's the other, you know, the always thing. What happens sometimes? Me, my internet acts wonky, and you're you're trying to watch something in HD, and then all of a sudden it it's it starts buffering or whatever. So it's physical media, man. Physical media, baby. And with that, that is going to be the news for the week. With comic books at Image Comics, uh, Battle. I'm still not caught up on Battle Chasers. So Battle Chasers. Wait, is it only? How's it only twelve? I guess it was ten that came out. So it's been coming out every month. So this is like the third month in a row. Has it been three months already? So Battle Chasers twelve is out, and I haven't been reading those. I I still need to. Um, if if you're reading them, l- let me know. Drop me a comment somewhere on social media. It's like, hey Tony, read. It's good. Uh, big game number two came out. Man, this, this, okay, big game. This is the Mark Miller, like, shared universe project. And it's, it's crazy. <laughs> so if you look at the solicit, it's Nemesis versus, so, you know, Nemesis recently kind of rebooted. Nemesis versus the Ambassadors, which that book just came out. The Nightclub, which I kind of, I, I got behind on that. That's like Teenage Vampires. The Magic Order, Kingsman. I don't remember Magic Order in this book. Um, and every single Miller Ward creation you've ever known and loved over the years. This book is Bloodbath, is a bloodbath, drawn by the biggest artist of comics right now, um, so Pepe Loraz. So basically, uh, holy crap. It's, so Nemesis is like a big a-hole, like he, he's such a jerk, you know, villain. And there are, I, I'm, I'm kind of like speechless because there's like major catastrophe because major um people are, are getting killed like major characters and, and and yes it's comic book so you know whatever but it's just like holy crap and it's like wiping like everyone out and and you know there's like a couple of people who barely made it out by the skin of their teeth and because there's like one that's like you can't kill you know blank 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 or whatever and uh it, it's it's really cool seeing the, the characters in, in the shared world is like, hey, there's that character. There's that character. And, and, and sometimes it's like, wait, is that? And it's like, yes, of course it, it's that character because this is a Mark Miller thing. And so it's, 
but like everyone, you know, because like the first issue, you know, there, there's been mention of, of what Huck. There's been mention of what was that Starman guy that, that was kind of basically like the the Flash Gordon. Was it Starman? No, it wasn't Starman. It was a I can't remember now. I really like that comic. And you know, there, there's Chrononauts mentioned. Uh, you know, uh, Kingsman, um, which is wanted, whatever you want to call it. And you know, we got Kickass and Kickass was mentioned. You know, Hit Girl and it's if you haven't read the first issue seriously like pick it up and even if you don't know like oh i didn't read nightclub i don't know it's well with the way everyone's getting killed here you're not gonna have to worry but uh yeah um boneyard (laughs) orchard tenement number three this is this is such a freaky book It's, it's so weird because at its core not a whole lot happens in this issue but like what hap- it does what happens like speaks volumes. It's so weird because and it's it's uh, Andrea Sorrentino's art is just it just it's just the vibe is it's like its own thing. So we have this tenement and there's like kind of like these seven characters and there's this one dude who died who killed himself and like that. But then there's this key and this kid goes into this room and then mom's like where's my kid and then there's like a power out or, you know I saw these this group of you know ten tenants who they don't like each other they're not friends they just live in the same building but then they they kind of they they can't go down to, i think the elevator doesn't work or whatever and you know unless they're gonna take the stairs and so they go in this apartment and then there's like the, there are these stairs that lead down but it's like wait this is how can this isn't possible this physically isn't possible in this apartment building and then so they're like well where's this kid and well i'm not staying up here and and it's just a lot of weird stuff and uh, yeah, I mean, there are some freaky things going down. So, I mean, I'm, it's not like not, I said nothing happened, but it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's freaky. So you should be reading that also. Um, uh, low Compendium, so it's Rick Remender and uh, uh, Greg Tocchini. I, I mean, I, I, for some reason, I vividly remember when this came out because it was just like this whole new, like, what is going on? This whole new world and, and just the art was just like so surreal and everything like that. So, you know, Rick Remender, you just, you, you should be, be getting it. Um, Click Click Boom Boom 3 came out. I realized when this came out, it's like, I still haven't read two. So I, I got to read two. Newburn, Newburn, Newburn. I, I don't know why, I, <laughs> I think I'm trying to say Newborn. Newburn. So this is Chip Zdarsky, uh, David Brothers, uh, Nick Dragota, Jacob Phillips, I think. I'm really intrigued with this book. So this Newburn guy, he used to be a police officer and he, he, he's like the liaison for all the different like crime families and, and sometimes the police. So he, he's like almost untouchable, but not fully untouchable. You know, he, he arranges things, he gets information and he kind of plays all sides. So it, but people don't like necessarily like him. Like there's one dude specifically, like he's, he's like, making major threats against him like you know maybe your time is up and blah 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 and, and then now we got this like newspaper report, report reporter my gosh i can't talk hopefully the whole podcast is not gonna be like this all right you know so there, there's these all these different threats coming at him and you know we're seeing this like okay he's not quite as untouchable as it seems so, but it's, it's just, it's, it's very, the, the way the pieces kind of like fall together, like the way he kind of, you know, he does land on his feet when he goes out to do something and he can go talk to someone and it's like, they hate him, but they'll, they, they, it's like, they have to play the game. They have to, you know, share information with them. And, and part of it is because he probably has information on them and everything like that. So it's just, it's, um, it's, it's, 
there's just something about it that it's, it seems, I don't want to call it simple, but it just seems like so easy or something like that. Not, not easy, but it's just, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Let's, how about we, we move on? No one issue five, which I, I feel bad because I haven't been listening to the, the podcast aspect of this. There, there's a, you, you can read, you know, or you can listen. You know, we got Pat Oswald, Rachel Leak Cook, who's, she's all that. <laughs> and you know it, it enhances the comic you know it, it's talking about because you know, there are people talking about doing this podcast because who is this no one character you know there's this like is this a serial killer just who's this vigilante what's going on there's this dude who was in jail who who admitted you know to commit you know doing something but it's like did he really because now he's 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 taking it back and there's just like you got this like kind of mystery aspect or like you know the police are involved and you know who killed who and what's going on and who is this person is it a copycat or you know what's so there's there's uh, some really really cool layers to this and it's written by kyle higgins and brian bucciolato so you should be checking that out rogue sun 15 is out i'm so behind on that and there was i think it was like two months ago with the ending i was like oh i should be reading this because that's crazy ending but i i still haven't gotten caught up then there is Schlub number one. I think this is based on a true story. No, it's not based on a true story. This is uh, from Ryan Stegman and uh, Kenny Porter. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know what the, the art is by Tyrell Cannon. And you got this dude, you know, so it's called the Schlub. And the, the, the main character, he's, He's kind of a loser. I mean, he's like this dentist dude. He's got this ex-wife, and he's like talking to his ex-wife on the phone, and, and in the middle of dealing with his patient. Let's see what, what failing dentist Roger Dalton blames the world for his problems until he is body swapped with the world's greatest superhero. So basically, just superhero battles going on, smashes through his his building, things happen, and somehow this schlub, this dentist dude, he switches with the superhero, and the superhero this got this massive powerful you know all these powers and everything he he's he's also he, he's from like a different he's either from a different planet or different dimension so there's there's a lot at stake it's not just about saving earth or keeping earth safe you know there's other things out there but you have this guy he's very selfish and everything because like you know when, when he's working with this patient he's like he, he's low on a rent or something like that. You know, he's about to get evicted from his dental office. He's got this, you know, old lady patient, and you know, he, while he's drilling and talking to his ex-wife on his phone, he's trying to get her to sign like some, you know, to greet treatment, like you know, extra stuff. And so, him having the, this power is not going to be a good thing. So, beware of that. Then at DC Comics, I read very, very little here. Uh, we still have like all these Night Terror books. And like Night Terror Four came out, it, it's I'm I think the most thing that I'm I'm most intrigued about in this series is the the Wesley Dodds Sandman, because you know he's back, and there's like one shot in particular in this issue where you kind of see the back of his because you know he's got the gas mask on, he's been dead, he kind of was res sort of quasi resurrected but not fully, but he's back, and you see there's a shot where you kind of see the back of his head and it's all like kind of like like Deadpool you know. It's, craggly skin or whatever so it's like i guess my, my question is like what what's the goal is he going to be back beyond this or is it just for this this event and um i, I i'm just i'm really intrigued with that because i i wasn't fully aware of 
Sandman before because I read Sandman Mystery Theater and you know when when that was out and I was really you know I thought who is this Wesley Dodd's character and it was I thought it was so cool because you know we also then we had regular Sandman and there's like no connection between the two and so you know there were just both Vertigo books right it was Vertigo like 99% sure and I, I don't know what's going on here. I think, so my, my biggest, the biggest problem about this, and I, I, I debated, it's like, do I need to do an off my mind talking about this? And I don't, I don't really know if that would be worth my time, but I also don't want to sit here and just ramble on and on like my, my issues with this. I think that the main thing is I'm, I'm a little confused why we have this event. And I keep, I've mentioned this before, I keep thinking back to when convergence happened. And that's why, you know, going into... The, the why and how, I don't know, maybe I should just, just talk about that if, if any was interesting because, you know, I know some stuff about convergence and I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a big secret, like why convergence happened. You know, I didn't sign an NDA, didn't, you know, no one told me anything. It was just like stuff that I heard. So maybe that's stuff that I should keep, maybe I'll, I'll just do an off of mind about that, talk about that. And like my main problem with this book which what I'll say right now is just so I'm not like leaving it all like forcing you to go to my Patreon, which would be awesome if you did. But I think the the main problem I'm having with Night Terrors, and and I, I'm not guaranteeing that I'm going to do an off my mind. I might, I may not. But I think my main problem is that that's all we're getting right now is is Night Night Terrors. So like all the other books are are being basically put on hold, and. There's some, there could be some cool aspects. You know, I'm all for telling a story. That's why we're reading comics. It's not, and you know, I always say that that horrible line, you know, does this matter? And by that, are there going to be repercussions? Is there going to be anything to the story that builds to the character that moves them forward that we're going to see later? Or is it going to be something that at the end of the day, boom, we're back at the status quo. Like everything's fine. And, you know, on, on the one hand, even if that happens, you, you do get the joy of a good, if it's a good story. But, that, that, but the, the other part is when you have a billion different tie-in books, uh, you know, a lot of us have that, that nature. It's like, well, I'm, I'm supposed to read everything, right? Or I might miss something. And, and that's where it's a problem. But I think the, the biggest problem I have aside from that is that it's it's essentially the same thing like 10 times every week we're getting you know night terrors batman night terror superman night terrors zatanna night terrors whoever and it's it's just okay cool we're seeing these characters experience some sort of nightmare but what then what they wake up and they're, they're like, oh, I had some bad nightmare. Maybe I shouldn't eat pizza after midnight like Snoopy did one time or something like that. I always think about Snoopy having nightmares and I forget what episode. So, uh, yeah, we had Night Terrors 4. What else we had? We had, I, and, and I didn't read about a lot of these. We had Night Terrors, I think Action Comics, which was, was with uh, Paige, which is such a weird that, that Power Girl is now going by Paige instead of Karen. I mean, maybe I wonder if, if that that's the reason, because since the name Karen kind of has certain connotations, whatever. Uh, so I didn't read. So I, 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 that was fine. There was Night Terrors Detective Comics. I don't think I even looked at that. There was uh, what else was there? Night Terrors Titans. And I just I wasn't happy with that. I think that was a I'm pretty sure it was a Donna Troy one. There is a Night Terrors Harley Quinn. Didn't look at that. 
Night Terrors, Angel Breaker. Who the heck is Angel Breaker? Because this is, this is, uh, what issue was this? But it's like, I, I, when I saw this before, I think this is the third issue. I'm like, who the heck is Angel Breaker? And how did I miss? Because I didn't read the first issue. So I don't know anything about that. Um, what else did we have? We had the Penguin. And when, you know, we had that Penguin Zero, I think it was last week, that was basically reprinting a, a, you know, I think it was Catwoman story. I'm like, why are we getting a Penguin book? It's like, come on. I, I can respect Penguin as a classic Batman villain, but he's not my favorite character, whatever. It's, and then I saw it's Tom King. Tom King is a, he can be a hit or miss with me. More often hit, occasionally misses. You know, I'm still, I'm still holding a grudge, grudge over Heroes, Heroes in Crisis. Just, I felt like there's so much potential. I, I, I think because I was so excited and I was so looking forward to that. And then it's like, what the heck? Wally West is like, and I know that's kind of been fixed, sort of. But anyways, this was really good, I'll say. So bravo to Tom King. I, I, I do want, I want to say that because, you know, it sounds like I'm just bagging on him. But I was surprised. So for, for someone like me who really doesn't care for Penguin at all, I was, I was like, this this was good. I, I'm I'm impressed with this. So if you like Penguin and if you like Tom King, you're you're really gonna dig this. And I saw so where did I see it? I don't know if it was on Twitter. Or someone said someone referred to it as kind of like the Sopranos or something like that. You know, or maybe I don't even know if it was a solicit. No, I didn't read any solicits for this. Uh, but it's it's interesting and um, it and in some aspects where it's like. There, there's like someone in particular is like super scared of penguin. I was like, why are you scared of the penguin? He carries around an umbrella, and and yeah, he maybe he's he's just a little unhinged. Maybe that's it. I I don't want to face him. Someone like that, it's just gonna kill kill you without a second thought. But it's a penguin. It's a it's it's worth checking out. Uh, you you should re- definitely read that. Um, Unstoppable Doom Patrol issue five. I really like this character. This, this character. I really like this this series, and you know, part of it is from the Doom Patrol show, which I'm still waiting. When are we gonna get the the second half of, of the final season? But I, you know, I so I I like the characters, and and we get Chris Burnham art. He's he's back in this this issue. I can't, I can't say I love what happens in this issue because things kind of take a turn, but that's the nature of you know creating conflict for the characters and all that. But I, I'm it, it's. This book has such a different vibe, and I, I think that's what I kind of find refreshing. Where it's in the DC universe, but it, it feels kind of different, and I, I think that that's a really good thing because it's still, you know, it it you can it doesn't feel completely different, like it's like outside, like some totally separate, but almost like DC adjacent. Where it's I don't I don't know I I, mean, I can't really describe you know what what I'm trying to say. Obviously, as I'm I'm stumbling, stuttering here. Um, Batman Brave and the Bold, uh, yeah, this was was kind of like more miss for me, and that's the problem, unfortunately, with these like anthology books where it's it's hard to tell what you're going to get because it's it's not consistent because you have one you have different creators you know different writers or artists so that you know but that usually isn't a, a huge deal. I, for me, the big thing is you have different characters. And a lot of times, you know, you'll have, I think like the Stormwatch story is still continuing. You'll have something that, that continues. So at least you have that consistency. 
but then you get like all these other random stuff and sometimes it's like i really don't care about this and then you're just like okay skip page skip the page and we get um oh what's her her name hardcourt um amelia hardcourt from uh, peacemaker and that so she's in here and we we kind of i don't now i'm totally forgetting if she was a new character i, I feel like she wasn't James Gunn used, you know, used that name and just evolved her. But we see her now. I, she's in the, in the comics now, and we kind of get her origin. And um, there is one thing that's different from the Peacemaker, and it's just like, what, what, what's going on here? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I don't know how you feel about that, but it's, it, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, we get some. I think there's a Batman Beyond neo gothic. I haven't. Did reading that i haven't i'm not really happy with the batman beyond lately stuff i think that was it at dc uh at marvel we had the amazing spider-man 32 so we got one of my my sarcastic favorites craven the hunter i i don't even know what's going on so we got craven the hunter and the, the goblin queen the queen goblin um, the only thing I like about Queen Goblin is a queen sounds like green. So it's like Green Goblin, Queen Goblin. Uh, so the Queen Goblin, in case you're not aware, is this, what's her name? Dr. Kafka, the, the psychiatrist at the Ravencroft Institute. And she got turned evil somehow, which is, I, I can't even process it right now. So she's angry and everything, and, and she's got some anger issues. I think, she, didn't she like die, but she didn't die? And she's, so she's mad at Green Goblin, or she's mad at Norman Osborn. But the thing is, evil Norman Osborn doesn't exist anymore. He's had the, his sins, you know, do we have this, I don't even understand where this sin eater came from. He basically cleansed Norman Osborn of all his, his evilness. So that's why, Norman Osborn is good now. And that's why Peter Parker is actually working for Nor with Norman, nor working at Nor Osborn Industries or whatever. And part of it is is to keep an eye on him, just to make sure he doesn't change. And and Norman, you know, he he mentioned that, you know, he he's he's aware. So now the you know they want she wants revenge against Norman, and there's like this staff that contains the sins somehow. Where did how did did I miss that? How did someone get a hold? Of, of all his sins and that. So they basically, I, I think the idea, I'm trying to think, if, understand what's going on. I think the idea is put the sins back in Norman. And maybe it, it's, the, maybe the idea, did I, did I miss it? Maybe the idea is like, make him bad again, make him turn into Green Goblin so then I can get my revenge on him. Because maybe they, they see it as, well, Norman Osborn, he, he doesn't have all this bad stuff. So killing him, wouldn't be the same even though you know he does still have abilities you know he's the gold goblin now and and you know peter's like no don't hurt norman so it's just uh <laughs> i don't know what's going on then we have captain america uh finale uh which i thought this the story was over so this is this ongoing thing that's been going on uh, when both Captain America titles and stuff with with the with Bucky Barnes and with the what, I don't even remember what they're called now the, not the Circle whatever but the just this evil group and um, things just kind of get wrapped up or whatever 
Uh, I'm mean, looking at the cover now. It's like, you know, there's Nick Fury Jr. in a cover and Modak. And I don't even think they were in this issue because they've been long, long, whatever. But I just, I was just not, not happy with this, this whole story arc. And the whole thing, when they, they took the idea of Captain America's shield, you know, being a symbol of this other organization and just stuff going out back, you know, hundreds, you know, over a hundred years or whatever, and just this process, and then Bucky, like, like, oh no, I'm evil. I'm joining this, but it's like, he, who's gonna, who would actually believe that that's really what he's doing? I don't know. <laughs> this is not the week. I mean, you know, I love Marvel comics, but there's so many things. Because then there's like Daredevil and Echo issue four. I haven't been crazy about this one. I, I mean, I love Phil Noto art. I'm just not being able to get into the story. Deadpool <laughs> issue ten. I cannot stand this this Deadpool series. I'm sorry. Uh, I haven't read. I, I were on issue ten. I haven't been been breeding, you know, so so much. But I was like, okay, well, maybe maybe it's it's time I, I give it I give it a shot again, like, you know, just to see you know what the heck is going on. And it's it starts off so you know Deadpool has this new girlfriend, which I just don't understand. I don't understand how this this happened. And it, I know being super fit, it's not just about looks. You know, Deadpool, he looks like like you know all the, whatever insults they said in the movie. You know, he's he's like like a, a a wilted avocado or whatever. You know, so you got that whole aspect. But it's not about looks. It can't be about personality because Deadpool is so friggin' annoying. He's so he's like a child. You know, I just, I do not understand how this, I can't remember her name, how she's like, what? And and where did this even come from? When did she start like having feelings for him? And then Deadpool has this symbiote dog baby that, you know, when they, they, this other evil person tried putting, uh, you know, the, the carnage symbiote in him because his immune healing factor could deal with it. And I just, I, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And I, I do like Deadpool, but I just can't say that. There was a, another Contest of Chaos annual Fantastic Four, and it's basically Human Torch versus Ghost Rider. I'm just not, not digging it. Immortal Thor, is, I, I'm sure some people are going to really dig this book. It's, to me, it's, it's more like classic Thor or it's more like Asgardian Thor, which as I've said many, many times, that's not my, my jam. I mean, I, I don't, when you start getting deep into like Asgardian roots and just stuff like that, I, I just, I lose interest in that. And it's like my problem with, you know, even like with like game of Thrones and, and stuff like that, you know, when it's all this, what I call the old timey stuff, I, it's hard for me to get super, super into it. And I, I don't know what it is, but uh, I, I started, you know, reading this because this is, yeah, this is the first issue. You know, there's like, oh, we got Frost Giants and we got, you know, Hemdale or not Hemdale or Vol- Volstag and, and just, I don't know. It just, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. And, and that's my opinion. If you love it, awesome. Invincible Iron Man. Okay, so this is now we're getting a little better at least. I'm not super crazy about what's going on here because it's going back to the fall of X stuff. And, and even, it's not just the fall of X, but it's also like the fall of Stark. 
So we, we've really seen, even though I, I, I'm not super crazy about Tony Stark, I think he's just a big douchey jerk. Uh, don't that the fact that he like he lost his company this this or or Orcus stuff I, I, this who is this this dude so he's he basically buys out steals Tony Stark's company he's taken all his his armor and turned him into like sent like Iron Iron Man armor Sentinels and somehow they've convinced everyone's like yeah we're gonna start hunting mutants now they have no rights even though they are american citizens and it's just i find it just absurd that no one has any issues with this because it, it can't be like like oh well they have powers they're a threat it doesn't matter because i mean look at like other people captain america is not a mutant he could become a threat spider-man could become a threat you know just because someone has abilities doesn't mean that they're evil I mean, how many, what, what villains are there? You know, Green Goblin, you know, he used to be a villain. Craven Hunter, uh, and I'm going to Spider-Man villains. You know, uh, Scorpion, um, Crimson Dynamo, <laughs> uh, Kang the Conqueror, he's not even from our time. Uh, who else is there? Uh, the, the Frightful Four, you know, Sandman, all these villains who have done all these bad things, they're not mutants. Yeah, yes, there are some bad mutants, evil mutants, but it's it's just I find it just absurd that you're gonna say, oh, little little Johnny is is now a mutant, so we need to lock him up. We need to send him to friggin' Mars. <laughs> We're banishing him because he has the ability to to make um, purple dinosaur holograms appear out of his nose when he sneezes. And that could develop into, I don't know. Uh, but there, there's also the fact, what we do see here also is like, you know, Tony helping Emma Frost, which it's like this weird relationship thing because, you know, obviously they're going to be getting married and this is leading to that. But I, I like the fact that, it, it, I mean, it seems weird, but they've, they've had like this alliance and everything. And um, I, I'm... I'm Curious to see how that plays out. Um, Jean Grey, this it's like what the heck is going on in this issue? We got Bernard Chang art, which is, is, I love. I, I love the art in this issue. Okay, so um, Louise Simonson is doing the writing, which is like, oh, that, that's awesome. Superstar creators take Jean Grey's legacy to fiery new heights. After the events of Hellfire Gala, Jean's life is in shambles. Um, she was killed in, in the Hellfire Gala somehow, or whatever that means. Uh, let's see. Mutankind is in dire straits, and there's nothing this founding X-Men can do. She'll have to save herself first, and that means looking into her past for the moment when it all went wrong in a desperate attempt to save her life and all Kirkwood's future. <laughs> Legendary writer Louise Simonson returns at X-Men with a story full of fan-favorite moments, heart-rending revelations, and pulse-pounding devastation. So things... This is... It's like a what-if story. Things are so wrong. What's intriguing about this is when we had the young X-Men go into the present, which I thought was really cool, and I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. That was with Brian Michael Bendis and Stuart Immonen. When they went back, because, you know, my, my whole thing during this while I was enjoying the stories, I was like, how can, you know, they, they can't be from a regular timeline. They have to be from an alternate timeline. And they, they kept basically saying, no, they're not. They're not. They're, they're, they're regularly, these are 
the actual younger versions. But I was like, how can that be? How can they not have any memory of all this stuff? And when Cable finally is like, you guys need to go back, but you need to have your memories erased. So you can't know all this stuff because it would change everything which is obvious. So I think that was the answer. But here now, it's kind of going back, and Gene's like, we shouldn't have our memory erased. We should use that knowledge, and we can fix things because the future is bad. The future wasn't, I mean, they made it sound like it was like, you know, days of future past. They didn't go that far. Uh, so basically, Gene's being very proactive or very whatever, and it's, um, things are things are really getting out of hand. So it's, I, I don't know how, like, somehow, is, is this all a dream? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Then there was uh, Marvel Unleashed. When I saw this, it, it's like, oh, you got Lockjaw, you got Pizza Dog, you got Red, Red Wing, you got Throg. I'm like, I get what you're doing, because I, I really did enjoy Pet Avengers when it came out. And I was like, okay, are they just trying to do that again? I was like, I don't really want to read I ended up reading it. There's this dog called D-Dog. <laughs> For some reason, he has a Demolition Man's mask because D-Dog is a stray. And he found it. It's not Dennis Dumphy's dog. So coincidentally, finds an old mask, was wearing it. It's, it's all matted and tattered and super baggy. And, and the dog is a girl. She's calling herself D-Dog. And like at one point, they're like, what's a D stand for? She's like, dog. And they're like, dog, dog. <laughs> so basically, D-Dog meets up with this other dog. And, and this other dog, I think it was like a poodle or something, someone, whatever. It's like her, her owner is missing and she wants help. So they go to Lucky and then they go to Avengers Mansion and they, the Red Wings there. And Chewie is, is there. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, um, it, was, it, was, it was okay. <laughs> Yeah, it was all right. Um, I I might read the second issue when it comes out. Uh, then we have Moon Knight, City of the Dead. Um, so my the only thing, my only uh, concern, you know, it's Moon Knight. It's great, and you know, we we have uh, Lila El Fowley, who you know, for, well, she was in the the Moon Knight series, and here she's a Scarlet Scarab. So basically, what's going on is this kid. There's this uh, jackal, night jackal, sons of the jackal, and they, they kidnap this kid. And basically, it's like he's, he's like in a coma now. And Moon Knight is going to go try to save him, save his soul or something like that. He has to go to the city of the dead. So he's like, he's almost dead himself or supposed to die or whatever. And what, what is going on here, I don't remember. I don't think they did in, in real world, but they took the kid's heart. So I think that's in the city of the dead. Obviously, it can't be in the real world. So Moon Knight's trying to save this kid, and he runs into Scarlet Scarab, who we, which is kind of cool because we're seeing the story here, and it was also in, I think it was last month's, or maybe the month before, of Moon Knight, where we're seeing who is this Lila character, and, you know, they're, the, she was a mercenary. She worked with, with Mark Spector, you know, back in the day, and, and they were, you know, kind of romantically involved. You know, it's kind of like a love-hate thing, but, you know, they, they, they were together and all Obviously, there's some tragic ending to the relationship. So she's in the city of the dead. While, you know, we're, we're seeing Moon Knight kicking butt on a different, kind of like a different level because it's a different setting. Then we're starting to see other dead people. And my understanding was 
I, I, I thought that, you know, with, I, I don't know if it's just because it's a jackal thing or whatever, but I was kind of feeling like this was more kind of like an Egyptian sub-level, because it's not like hell, but it was like some Egyptian dead realm or something like that. And because, you know, and maybe because he got the Scarlet Scarab, you know, why is she, you know, what's her, her ties to, you know, Kanchu and, you know, all, all that stuff of these Egyptian gods. But then we're, we're seeing, you know, there, there's this uh, legion of the unliving, you know, all these, these Moon Knight starts seeing all these, these dead guys. And then, then they're like, Moon Knight let a container fall on this guy. Moon Knight did this and Moon Knight st- stabbed this guy with uh, the hand of a giant clock or whatever. So it's like all these dead people who died in New York or whatever, they're also in this same city of the dead because it's not like, uh, let's see, who, who, who died in another book? Um, let's say Bill Foster. You know, he's dead. Is he, could he be walking around somewhere? I, 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 I'm just a little, little, little confused. It just seems a little coincidental that Moon Knight's here and now we're seeing all these dead villains who, you know, who died because of Moon Knight. But not like, is George Stacy here somewhere? I'm trying to think of who else is dead. So I don't know. Gwen, is Gwen Stacy somewhere? I, I don't know. But it's, I, I, I like Moon Knight. So I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just being a little, 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 not picky. I don't know what it is. Uh, Planet of the Apes, issue five. I've always been hesitant with this. I didn't even look at this this issue. I want to like it, but yeah, I, I'm just, I don't know. And then Realm of X. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this is like the aftermath of the Hellfire Gala. So the other thing, which I didn't mention, where part of the thing is like they were forcing mutants to leave. You know, they told Professor X, like, okay, you need to make a telepathic command and have all mutants walk through these, you know, the gates to teleport out or we're going to kill them or whatever. So he, like, forced them all to go there. But then it turns out where they go, he can't sense them. They must all be dead and everything. So here we're, we're seeing, you know, you'll see on the cover there's uh, magic. We have uh, Danny Moonstar. Uh, and then there's... Uh, Dust is here. Um, what's her name? Sarah um, the Bone. Why am I not thinking of her name? It was uh, the one girl who, she was a Morlock and she aged and she's got the bones that like come out of her back that she uses as knives. Marrow. <laughs> That's it. Real time thinking, my brain. <laughs> and then we have friggin' Typhoid Mary. I cannot say, I'm sorry. You know, for classic Daredevil stories, whatever, Typhoid Mary is, you know, as a classic Daredevil villain. I just, I, I've never liked her. And so now she's hanging out here, you know, she's, you know, with, with the, these other X mutants or whatever. And, you know, there's other mutants also that, that came with them. And they're, they're not sure where they're at. It's like some sort of like mystical realm. And, you know, then when they, they tell him where they're at and Danny's like, what? He's like, we can't be, that's not possible. There's like one of the 10 realms or something like that. I, I kind of get why Typhoid Mary's here because she's, she's basically like, like the ruthless killing character where in the past it kind of used to be like Wolverine's role, but Wolverine wasn't, you know, this much of a jerk. But you know he would do whatever it took. So I think they're they're trying to look, use Typhoid Mary as that, where she has like no scruples about anything, 
and she's you, can you really rely on her and but then you look at her you know there are some moments where it's like okay maybe she's not completely evil you know there there could be some redeeming qualities or something to her i just i just don't care for her being here but whatever and um we'll see yeah i i didn't love this because it has that old-timey feel to it so that that's what kind of makes it hard for me i didn't read storm i haven't read i didn't read the last couple issues uh dr afro 35 this was a dark droids thing so i was like i should probably read it i started skimming through it and i didn't really see a whole lot of it i I, i'll be honest i didn't read that venom 24 i'm not normally reading venom but because black widow is i don't even understand what how black widow is going to be venom or whatever so i'm like okay we got dr doom on and look at that cover there's like symbiote oozing out of dr doom's armor what the heck is going on so I read it. Eddie, I don't know what's been going on. And again, being perfectly honest, Eddie Brock's going to Latveria. And, uh, you know, he wants to save Dylan, but he wants to stay away from Dylan. You know, Dylan is with the Venom symbiote in New York or wherever. And uh, so Eddie's with a, who is he with? Not Bedlam, another symbiote, because since he's a king in black, you know, he can control or be whatever with any symbiote, I guess. He goes to Latveria and... He kind of causes a scene at at the airport because he wants to talk to Dr. Doom, basically. So he's like, I don't care. And what it comes down to is he wants a time machine because I guess he wants to kind of fix things. Dr. Doom's like, it's like, no, we have a law where we don't give, you know, like nuclear power weapons to children or, you know, some like guns to kids or whatever it was. So he's like, basically, no, I'm sorry, you're an idiot. I'm not going to give you access to this where you can mess up. And and what what's what's interesting which this is kind of interesting because Doctor Doom mentioned how you know he has mastered time travel, where like other people when they travel through time, they're creating an alternate reality type of thing. So whatever happened isn't going to change stuff. But he's maybe he's fixed things before because that wasn't always the case. And he's like, I'm not going to give give it to you. But yeah, so we'll see where that's going to go. And then there's X Force forty three. Uh, what's weird about this is it kind of picks up before the Hellfire Gala because, you know, there, there's stuff that's being set up before everything goes down. And I feel like at some point I missed whatever is going on with Colossus because Colossus is kind of being used by Mikhail, his, his brother, and someone else. And, you know, like a couple issues ago, he, he tried warning domino you know he's like go to my farmland and then but he didn't get a chance to tell her what to look for so they have this plan going and and part of the thing is like they're i guess the plan is to have mikhail whatever take over the future guide the future mutants or something and the hellfire you know crap starts hitting the fan and they're like x-force was was not there on site because they're supposed to be like away in case things went you know so they wouldn't get caught in in the immediate fire and then they could be called in if they needed to come in but so stuff starts happening and colossus is like like no not yet not yet stand down and it's just like i i don't really know what's going on and so yeah so i'm missing this whole thing like what was this connection like how is cyclops being because there's there's that other mutant that can control i think it was like by writing someone was it he could like write stuff and then whatever he wrote is like happens so is that how they're controlling colossus i don't know but what i do know is that's gonna be comics for the week 
All right, now with my Adventures with Superman, Season 1, Episode 8, Zero Day, Part 1. Things are are getting pretty pretty nuts here. It, it starts off, we see the supervillain prison where all the people who have been kidnapped uh, have been by, by the general and Amanda Waller. The cells, the cell doors start opening, and then they all get shocked. You know, they, they, they're out in the hall. We see, like, Rory, the... Heat wave. Um, the other two dudes. We see live wire. Then the the general, Amanda Waller and Ivo. I can't stand Ivo. He's such a dork. They walk up and general's like, "You stole from us. You committed a litany of crimes with our technology. You destroyed property and endangered citizens. But today you will repay your debt to society, Ivo." And then he's like, "All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's moving day." So it's like. Uh, I mean, and, and the, just the fact that, okay, I get that Ivo's super smart and everything like that, but to put him in, like, in a higher position of power compared to, uh, I mean, he, he's like a psychopath. Clark is still sleeping, then he hears, like, whispered voices. So he wakes up, hears someone call for help, so he flies out. There's a fire, there's a man, in, like, holding an infant inside. He goes, you know, saves him. Then this guy's brakes are out in his car. He, he's, like, zipping around in Metropolis, saving people all over. Then he hears the general. It's like, negative. After this operation, Superman will cease to be a problem permanently. So he recognizes that it's a general, but he can't pinpoint because there's just like so many other, like you hear this other man like crying out for help and everything. So then the next day, Jimmy comes home from his parents. He calls out the clerk. He's like, oh, you know, sorry, sorry, you know, forgot my phone charger. So he hasn't, you know, kept up or whatever. And if he tried calling him or anything, he plugs it in. Now, this is where I'm a little confused because he, he's like, I have 500 new Flamebird followers. So he, he's like super excited. But the screen shows that he has five million followers. I mean, unless I read it wrong, unless it's someone else, because sometimes they show when other people are posting something and it's showing how many followers they have. But I thought it said that, you know, 500 million, maybe it was, again, it's someone else, 500 plus comments. There's like a Who is Superman video and it has 276,000 views. And there's, there's comments from people saying, Superman put out a fire, he rescued someone's uncle, he flew you know, people to school or something like that. And Jimmy's like, wow, Clark's been busy. So Superman rushes up to him and he's like, oh, you have no idea, Jimmy. He's like, I heard you all the way from the warehouse district. He's like, there was almost a bulldozer accident. I stopped it. I have super hearing. And then Jimmy, this, uh, this is what annoys me, but Jimmy, he's like, this is so going on flame bird. Then he gasps. He's like, what's super hearing like? And Clark's like, it's, it's nuts. He's like, I can, I can hear a, a cat in a tree. There's so many cats in trees. <laughs> so he, then he zips out. He, and he comes, you know, he's like, I, I can hear everyone. And, and Jimmy, 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 they have problems. So Jimmy sees a bunch of like empty, like coffee drinks and cups and mugs and everything. He's like, uh, have you been sleeping much, buddy? He's like, uh, not for a few days, but like size. He's like, that's not important because he's like, I heard him, the general. And Jimmy's like, the guy who attacked you? He's like, and destroyed Cadmus and kidnapped Heatwave, Intergang, and every other person who touched his crazy tech weapons. He's in the city and he's planning something. He's like, I can't stop until I find him. So Jimmy's like, okay. He's like, this is a lot for Monday. Um, maybe you know we, we should just go to work. And he's like, oh, Lois, I almost forgot. He zips off. Jimmy gets some more alerts on his, his phone. One million new followers? Which is weird, again, because the counter says one million twenty-three. So, which is different than what the other screen showers said, 500M. I, I, I don't know. Um, and, but it, the, the thing is, how can he be so happy? It's like this doesn't really reflect on his reporting abilities. It basically reflects on the fact that he's friends with Superman. He posted content about him. 
Because because then he calls out the super and he's like, never mind, keep doing what you're doing, buddy. He's like so selfish. And I don't, I don't know. It just, just really bothers me because, you know, everyone, you know, you, you're reporting. It's like, yeah, I, I would love to have a million followers, but it's, I would want it to reflect on stuff that I did. Like if, if I gained it out of luck because um, I'm just looking at this Tom Cruise poster, like it, let's say Tom Cruise did something and then I get all these followers because of this one thing that wouldn't really be, I wouldn't have really earned it. It's just, I just got lucky. Lois walks into like the, the morgue, their, their office, whatever, at the Daily Planet, and there's like these falling fla- fa- fla- flower petals. F- follower and fl- flowers, man, it was throwing me off today. The whole room is like covered in like bouquets and flowers, and she gets like this photo text from Clark, which is risky in his part because, you know, Superman holding a bunch of flowers. But I guess, you know, Super- Clark could have said, oh, yeah, I, I took a picture of him, whatever. And but it, it, it's like happy one week anniversary, saving a train. Talk later. And she smiles. Then she looks in her bag, which has the file X orb that she got from the legal Lois. And she she plays it again. And she sees like Superman, like destroying the city and everything. She's like, this can't be you, can it? Then she gets startled by a knock at the door. Perry's Perry's like looking for her and he's happy to see her. He's like, today, I need you to assist our guest editorial writer. But I also need you not to freak out. And she's like, oh, why would I freak out? And when they get to his office, she sees like in a window, she's like, oh, it's Vicki Vale. He's like, I know. And she's like, the reporter who broke the Queen Industries inheritance scandal, who, who took down the Falcones, uh, Perry. He's like, do you even know how many awards she's won? He's like, yes, it's very impressive. She's like, I have a poster of her in my bedroom. And then you hear, neat, I've got a poster of me in my office and I've lost track on the award side, but who's really counting other than the prize committees? Because... Vicky came out of the office and Lois exclaimed, she's like, Ooh, she's like, Lois Lane. She's like, it's, it's, it's an honor. And she like rigor, rigorously shakes her hand. Vicky's like, nice to meet you too. You know, when Pear Bear here gave me the call, begging me to write an editorial for a planet, not begging, offering. I said, why not? We knew each other in college. I ran the number one student newspaper in the country. Hmm. Don't know who was number two. Me. That was me. I still have pictures from then. And she has a picture. You see like Perry with like bigger hair and all this stuff. Then Perry introduces uh, Vicky to Olsen. He was going to be her photographer for, for today. She goes to talk to him and Perry says, Lois, he's like, look, Vicky's a lot, but she's thinking of leaving the Gotham Gazette. And if she does, I want her here winning us awards. So today I need you to do whatever you can to keep her happy. He's like, and, and she's like, that will not be a problem, chief. And he's like, don't call me that. And he closes the door. And she's like, I will crush this assignment. Then Lois asks Vicky, she's like, what story are we chasing? She's like, we're writing about the number one greatest danger to Metropolis, Superman. And Lois and Jimmy are both, they gasp. We're like, what? So Superman's hovering over the city. He's trying to pinpoint the general. Then he hears, what do you mean you lost him? We need to know his whereabouts. And he's like, lost? Lost who? Then he's in pain. He's like, ah, ah. I don't know if it's like all the noise or something. It's just like overload. He, then he like focuses and he hears this little girl like calling out to mommy. Like, mommy, where are you? I can't find you. So he drops down behind her. He's like, hey there. And she's like, ah. he's like, it's okay. My name's Superman. I'll find your parents. He's like, what's your name? L- Libby. He's like, give me a second, Libby. He closes his eyes and he listens. And he, he, he hears like a man sounding like he's being threatened or something like that. And then he hears a lady calling out for Libby. So he holds out his hand and they go flying, drop down uh, to Libby's mom. I think she has two moms. And he hears a news report about an invisible man on a crime spree downtown. So, so then he, uh, the, the report's like, stay indoors. He may be armed. Superman knows it's inner gang. He's like, he's the one that the general's looking for. So he goes after. 
So while we're walking with Vicky, Vicky's like, Superman's an overpowered vigilante who doesn't answer to anyone. Trust me, kids. No one puts on that big of a show of being good unless they're hiding something. And Lois is like, that's not true. I mean, he has secrets, but he wouldn't. Um, he just, he wants to help. And Vicky's like, a superpowered being shows up and all he wants to do is pull cats out of trees. Because again, that's all he's doing. She's like, I'm not buying it. I've got that award feeling about this. We'll interview people, get the dirt, show everyone Superman isn't to be trusted. And Lois is like, no, you can't. And she's like, excuse me? Lois is like, well, what I mean is you should let us set up the interviews for you. That's why you wanted our help, right? We know Metropolis and the people in it better than anyone. Vicky's like, well, that, and it annoyed Perry. Jimmy's like, we call him chief and he hates it. And Vicky's like, ha she's like, I love it. She like writes it down. She's like, all right, kids, what have you got? So they take her, just, they go by this hot dog vendor and there's this uh, fifth unit pilot or something like that. So he says Superman saved his life when his engine stalled out. Without him, he wouldn't be there today. Then there's this old lady. She's like, such a nice boy. He carries my groceries. And then there's Flip Johnson. She gives Vicky a woman of business you know, card and it has like ice cream dripping on it. And Vicky's like a literal child to like Lois and Jimmy. And, and then she's like, and what's your relationship to Superman? And Lois like, he saved Flip's life twice. And, and then she's like, and he let Patty interview him for the news kid newspaper. And she's like, the what? She's like, I'm glad you asked. So Flip shows Vicky the, like the latest copy. Then Jimmy gets a text from Clark and then Clark zips the two into an alley. He, he's like, I don't have much time. An invisible man is running around and I think he's connected to General. I need to find him. And Jimmy's like, oh, I bet one of my million followers will know where he is. Then he's like, oh, now two million. So he's like, bird watchers say an invisible force or fist force, something like that, broke an, a window at Morrison's pawn shop less than a minute ago. And it, then, you know, Superman's like, thanks. He zips off. He, he leaves a flower for Lois, you know, in her hand. Then Vicky comes up around a corner into the alley. She's like, what are you doing? And Lois is like, oh, we were just talking about who your next interview should be. And Vicky says that she's like, well, I got that covered. She's like, let's go meet my final interview subject. So who's the final subject? Alex. Ivo's assistant. And he's like, Superman's no hero. He's the end of the world. And Vicky's like, is he now? Tell me everything. Superman flies to the pawn shop. He hears like a girl saying her cat stuck in a tree. It's like, oh my gosh, with all these cats. He gets a flickering glimpse of someone like running out. And then there's like the, the overlapping noises like gets to him again. I don't know if it's the noises or lack of sleep or what's going on. And he's like flying. And then he like crashes down, like hits like a fire hydrant. Vicky's continuing her question, questioning with, with uh, Alex. She's like, you say Superman is dangerous? And he's like, are you kidding? Look around. They're at the, the banquet room or whatever Ivo was doing his big presentation. He's like, look around. Superman's a criminal. He destroyed this tower, bankrupted Amazotech, and put thousands out of work, including me. Never mind the fact that Ivo like kidnapped, every, you know, sealed everyone in the room, staged this like, cr crazy battle against Superman and risked people's lives. And Vicky's like, wow, I see this and I see a level of destruction no human could ever achieve. Alex's like, exactly. He shows up out of the blue, same time as that crazy tech. Vicky's like, and what a coincidence that is. Superman wiped out good American jobs. He turned your city into a war zone. At what point will he destroy the rest of Metropolis? And Alex's like, he's not normal like you or me. Anything is possible. And Jimmy runs up, I can't believe this. He's Superman. He uses his power to save people. And Alex's like, oh, does he? And what happens when he decides that having powers means he doesn't have to follow our laws anymore? Is he, 
if he really wanted to hurt us, what could we do about it? And Lois kind of thinks about like the file, you know, she's thinking about that in the, the file X video. Alex like, with how powerful Superman is, just him having a bad day could spell the end for us. Can you really say we're safer with him overhead? And Lois is like, I, and she has nothing to say. And Alex like chuckles. I think I've made my point. And she's like, no, that's not, I, I know Superman and he wouldn't do that. I know he wouldn't. Alex like, well, not all of us share your faith. And then Vicky turns off her recorder. Beautiful. I got what I needed. Thanks, Alex. I'll be in touch. And Lois is like, wait, he's a biased source. And she's like, hmm, unlike your contacts. And Jimmy's like, that's different. And like Lois like actually like blocks like the, the door. And she's like, Vicky, you can't publish this. And Vicky's like, you want to be number one? You don't get there by writing fluff. You go for blood. That's something Perry never understood. Do you? And then she goes down the elevator by herself. Superman's like chasing this invisible man guy. He's like leaving footprints. There's like, I guess, puddles of water everywhere. And then the overlapping voices like mess him up again. He skids and he's like smashes like a bunch of the sidewalk. Then he sees like the flickering guy running like into the crosswalk. He's going to get hit by a garbage truck. So Superman zips to him and then like shoves him out of the way and then the truck smashes into him. But of course, no one knows what he did. You know, they, they just see him like go in the middle of the intersection and let the truck smash into him. And you hear voices, what the heck? You could have killed someone. And there's like a big traffic pileup. And you're like, get away from him. He's dangerous. There's a huge accident. Superman caused it. He's like, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I was trying to say it. Then he sees that little girl, Libby, and her two moms. And, and Libby's like crying. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. And he like flies off. Lois says to Jimmy that they need to stop Vicky or talk to Perry or Jimmy's phone buzzes. There's like a video or something that says Superman has lost it, posted by, which is weird, Lori Lamaris 59, 200K subscribers. And then Jimmy's like, we need to get to Clark. But what's, what's weird, because there's Lori Lamaris 59, there's another Lori Lamaris posting that we see later. Superman flies, and he hears Lois and Jimmy calling Clark. They're on top of the planet. He lands, and he kind of staggers. Jimmy's like, what's going on? He says that he ran into some trouble. He's like, you ran into a truck. He's like, well, I didn't mean to. He's like, Mist, which I guess is the guy he was chasing. Mist ran into traffic. He's like, you know, he's my one shot at finding the general. And Lois is like, what then? Is, is, are you going to fight the U.S. government? And Superman's like, that man kidnapped people. I have to stop him. Jimmy's like, you're burning yourself out. And I, I can see what they're saying about you. It's not good. So Clark, uh, Superman takes Jimmy's phone. He reads like, Superman's dangerous. He should go back to where he came from. And then he's like, I've scared them. And I'm going to have to fix that. But right now, I need to find a general before. And Lois like, well, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, at least not right now. Uh, you know, take a break from being Superman and just try to be normal. He sighs. He's like, normal. And she's like, Clark, no, I, I, and he like zips off. Superman listens. He tries to focus on the voices. He hears a splash and somehow knows that it's missed. He zips down, cuts him off. He's like, don't be afraid. It's like, I'm here to talk. Miss turns and runs into an alley, but it's there's like a dead end. He pulls out a gun. He's like backing up into alley, but then Superman somehow got behind him. He's, he's like, I'm not here to hurt you. And then Miss is like, let me go. He's like, I need to save my sister. And Superman's like, your sister? What happened to her? And Miss is like, they grabbed her after you ruined our bank job. I got away, but they got Siobhan and Albert. They took them into an underground facility with their other prisoners. It's like, I found out that they're moving everyone out today, some new location. If I don't break them out now, I might never find them again. It's like, you can do whatever you want to me after. Just, just let me spring my sister and my best friend first. And he's like, I can't let you do that. And he like, let's go of them. 
not alone. He's like, if you show me where they're holding her, I'll help you bring them back. Prisoners are being loaded into this big like military plane. Superman and Mist, they get there like right as it takes off. He's like, he's like, we're too late. Superman's like, no, we're not. He zips up after it. He like rips open a door. He's like, everyone, hold on. I'm here to help. But then he gets punched and he like falls, you know, sort of starts falling down to the ground. The prisoners are flying out like they have like these armored suits and they're coming after him. And he like looks at him. He's like, but you're prisoners. And Sia Bonds, she's like, oh, we're on a work release program. Can you guess what the job is? It's getting back at you. And ah, high pitched scream. He goes flying back. Livewire takes a shot at him next. Then Heatwave shoots, shoots flames at him. And then Albert, uh, what was his name? Roughhouse, right? He punches Superman in the jaw and, and he feels it. And then Dr. Ival call, calls out. He's in this like, full purple suit. Hey, buddy, did you really think he could ruin my life without any consequences? And he's, and he's, and it looks like uh, Agent Wilson Slade. He's, he's there too. And they all like surround him. And then they start attacking. Superman dodges. He tries fleeing. He gets zapped in the back. Then he gets punched. Ivo keeps like laughing maniacally. Then Ivo smashes him down. And he like makes a, like a crater at, at the park at the planet. Lois like, like, we can't stop Clark, but we can stop Vicky. We can talk to Perry if we have to. They go down to like the bullpen level. This dude's like, whoa, did you see what Vicky Vale just posted? Lois goes a, a screen checks and Jimmy reads Metropolis Menace, the ugly truth about Superman. And the byline says Gotham Gazette's new editor in chief. Lois like she used us to get promoted. And she's like, this is going to hurt Clark on Flamebird. Someone is somehow live streaming the fight. And so it's like, does Jimmy ever post anything himself anymore? Um, the post is from Bibbo 87. So Bibbo Bobowski maybe. And then Lamaris 04. So is that Lori Lamaris? Do you have two accounts? So Lamaris uh, 04 says that he's in a park by her house. Jimmy and Lois, they get to the park in like split second because next scenes they're there. But then Lois, she's like looking at the video. She's like, that that's the west entrance. So they have to get to the other side of the park or something like that. Superman's basically getting trounced. They're taking turns. Roughhouse is like pounding on him. Superman grabs his fist and his eyes glow white. Like some sort of energy is like expelled. And Albert goes flying back. Shaban and Livewire attack at the same time. Superman is able to withstand it. He grabs uh, Shaban, screaming, Silver Banshee, whatever throws her at live wire um slade and heat wave go after him he dodges heat wave and then slams down to the ground wilson gets knocked out it looks like he pauses for a second and you know like thinking it over but then he, he starts flying and then a purple tendril of course grabs his leg superman he's like getting zapped or maybe drained purple veins are like on showing up on superman's skin and he, i was like i told you superman this ends when i'm done superman's like he's like uh, then his arms fall to his side like he's like passing out Ivo stupidly laughs again again he's he is a psychopath the general and waller ex exit their plane and the general's like that's enough Ivo just laughs some more stand down Ivo. more laughing then Ivo gets zapped by remote we see mist he's there too he has a neck collar so obviously he was meant to be bait to trick superman into going after the plane general says to fallen Ivo, you're done when i say you're done Ivo." and the others are on their feet now so they held, I guess they weren't knocked out. I don't know. They got up. Superman's still lying on the ground. He's like, why are you doing this? And the general's like, because you're no hero. You're the end of the world. Superman's like, no, I only want to. And he's like, shut him up. Livewire brings out this huge blast of electricity. Superman screams. Lois and Jimmy arrive just in time to see the plane taking off. And she's like, no, they've taken Clark to be continued. So 
Yeah, it's uh, bad news. Um, so it makes you wonder, you know, we, we got glimpses of, of the general back at like the Cadmus, like flashback stuff, but it's like, why is he so sure that Superman is so dangerous? The end of everything is like, has he seen the file X stuff? That doesn't make, there's no way he could see that, but somehow he knows. So you could, I think you can watch part two now, and then there's one more episode after that. So I'm pretty sure there's 10 episodes. So Superman's about to get killed, and that'll be the end. All right, then uh, Harley Quinn, season four, episode six, Metamorphosis. And holy crap, uh, Night, I guess Nightwing is dead. I, I joked last week when you know, he fell out of the tree. I was like, like, oh, it looks like he, maybe he's dead the way he's laying. But uh, um, it, it's, the episode starts off like Harley speaking at a televised funeral. And there's a donation basket being sent around because uh, they, I don't know which song they're talking about, but, they, but Harley was like mentioning singing this, the lyrics or, to a Linkin Park song, but they don't have the rights for it. So if they get like 15,000 in donations and she would sing it, but they didn't. So it's like, what'd they do with the money? And there's like heroes there. We see like Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Flash, Zatanna, Jon Stewart, uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl, uh, Aquaman was there. And then, uh, you know, of course, Batman or Batgirl and Robin and Alfred was, was there in his like prison outfit, I think. So uh, Harley turns the mic over to Batgirl because she's like, she always has something to say. Batgirl goes up. She's like, heroes are just like everyone, and sometimes they die. And then she walks away from the mic. So Harley's like, oh, okay. She lowers the, the coffin down. It's shaped kind of like a Batmobile. You know, it's got like two bumps in it or whatever. So the heroes fly off. And um, so Alfred's, again, it's weird. He's there. Harley like, gives him a hug. And she says that, you know, she's freak, freaking out. So thank you know, God he's there and everything. He gives her a glass of his prison wine. And, you know, she's, she makes some comment. I guess she liked it. And he's like, I'll send you a case so you can remember me by. He's like, I won't be returning to the manor. He's like, once white collar wine earns me enough money to execute a white collar crime, I'll finally be sent to fancy prison with Master Wayne. And, but she's like, but, you know, she starts to say that she needs him. But then there was like a, a noodle, like food truck there giving food to people at the funeral. It explodes. This big teddy bear walks out carrying toy man. And it's like the, it's a little uh, like puppet version of, of Toy Man. Batgirl yells, asking like, "Did you kill Nightwing?" And he's like, "No." He's like, "I just hate noodles, and I wanted attention." Flash runs up. He, there's because there's a bunch of wooden like toy soldiers start shooting. He zips around. It makes like the, like a tornado thing or whatever. Then Harley complains that even now third-rate villains are coming after them. And Batgirl's like, "Well, we need to split up." And Harley's like, "But we're stronger together." Batgirl's like, "That makes us a bigger target." Then Damien's like, "She's right." She's like, "I'm gonna call my mommy to come get me." And Batgirl's like, "Well, I'll move in with Alicia full time." And Harley's like, "Okay, okay, you know, silver lining. I'll move back in with Ivy." So Ivy's at this spa, and. She's doing this. I think it's like the evil woman's luncheon thing or whatever group. Livewire raises, you know, she's drinking. She says, a toast to Nightwing being dead. And Talia mentions that they should send out a, a condolence statement. Ivy thinks she's like, oh, you know, what should I write? But then this, uh, some other villain, I'm not sure who it was. So I think she's a blonde. She's like, you already did six hours ago. She's like, how long have you known? And Ivy's like, wait, what? And she's like, let me see that. She you know, takes her phone. And it's like, thank you to everyone who's been reaching out about Nightwing's death. As I sit here in my power, Captain, I feel grateful for the guidance of my dear mentor, Lex Luthor. And she's like, I did not write that. 
then Talia's like, well, who has access to your account? And Ivy, she sighs, like, you know, her PR team, Talia's like, you need to, you know, they need to run things by you first. And Livewire is like, my team always gives me three options, funny, sassy, horny. Ivy's like, wait, you don't give all your passwords and your pins and the, your keys to your PR team? Talia's like, the only person who has my pin lives in a cage under my kitchen table. So Ivy curses. Joker, meanwhile, is at his suburban house, talks to his family his, that he's attached himself to. He thanks them for gathering for, for a family meeting. He has a big announcement, muy importante. And the boy's like, ah, he's like, it's so embarrassing. He's like, just speak full English or Spanish. He's like, my bad, lo siento. The kid's like, dad. He's like, kids, Bethany, mi amor, I'm going back to villainy. <laughs> And Bethany's like, I, pero, this is a big change. And the kids, you know, they, they just got used to the chore wheel. And one kid's like, you know, forget the chore wheel. And, you know, she's like, the, Bethany's mom, she's like, what about health insurance? Joker's like, I'll blow up any hospital. It sends us a bill. Uh, the little girl, I forget her name. She asks, she's like, will you blow up my PE teacher? And the boy's like, can I have some poison gas for a science project? And Joker's chuckles that Bethany's like, well, there is a cashier at More for Lex who never told me to have a nice day. Joker's like, so it's settled. Like, who wants to go steal some soft serve? And everyone's like, yeah. They all cheer and they all do an evil laugh. So it's like, yikes. Harley arrives at Ivy's, which is Catwoman's apartment. And she's like, guess who's moving in? You know, she's like, Frank, what are you doing here? I thought you lived at the office. He's like, I did until those Johns tried to get rid of me. And he said they sent him the Bialia to be repotted. And he escaped by eating the truck driver. Harley's like, you know, I don't even know what's going on with Ivy. And she's like, wait, does she still have red hair? And Frank, he mentions like an NDA they made him sign. And then he hides. He's like, oh, I probably shouldn't mention Bialia. And he hides under the dirt in his pots because he's like scared now. Harley says that, you know, she's going to wait up for Ivy. But then it's weird. She sets like, you know, there's a box of her, her stuff. Like her, you know, old, old, old classic costume. And she puts a box cutter on the floor, like next to the box for some reason, like right by the front door. And then um, she sits back in a chair. Frank wakes her up later, and there's like a dagger sticking out of this pillow on her chest. He said that she sleep stabbed all the pillows and then kicked the TV. So there's like TV's like got a big like shatter mark on it. He's like, you open up every closet and you scream for 60 seconds. You know how many closets are in this place? And then you shave Catwoman's favorite cat. Then you tried to use me as a mannequin to see all of Catwoman's earrings, even though I kept telling you I don't have fudging earlobes. He's like, I've never seen sleepwalking like that. So now, obviously, this you know this sleepwalking thing, which I haven't really touched on, does this mean we probably know who killed Nightwing, right? Because the whole thing is, why did Night dead Nightwing's body have a friendship bracelet on it? And that was her thing that you know they, they weren't wearing them. But that's gonna that's gonna be really bad if, if she killed Nightwing. I still can't believe that he's dead. I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see if he gets out of it somehow. Harley asks Frank if Ivy's there, and he's like, no. You know, she dropped in and changed from her spa blazer to her business blazer. Then she tripped over a box and was pissed at whoever left it there, because Harley did. He's like, don't worry, I covered for you. And Harley's like, she didn't even notice I was here? He's like, that's how covering works. He's like, you're welcome. At the Legion of Doom, Captain Cold asks Nora if she thinks Ivy ordered to hit a Nightwing, and she's kind of flirting, whatever. She's like... She asks if, if he's trying to get top secret information out of her, and you know she's eating a piece of cake, and she's like kind of licking her fork, you know, I guess seductively or whatever. King Shark comes in, he's like, "Oh, welcome back, you know, from paternity leave, she cake. I feel so supported." And it's like, is King Shark just like extremely self centered that he thinks everything's about him? Because when he was there, he he basically insisted that he has a baby shower, and then Nora's like, "Fine, I'll do it." 
So, but then he looks at at the cake and it's uh, black and blue with blue frosting, or whatever. And it, it says Nightwing is dead on there. And there's like two butts and like two like batterings or whatever. He's like, oh, that makes more sense. And then Nora's like, don't you have some IT junk to do? He's like, I do. And he chuckles. He's like, and I'm very happy that the Legion of Doom has childcare program. Nora's like, we don't have a child care program. She chuckles. She's like, I made sure of it. He's like, oh, edgy, very modern. And he starts like sobbing. He like dashes out of there because, you know, where'd he leave his babies, I guess? Out front at a Legion Zoom, this dude walks up to his fountain with a coin. He's like, I wish I had a single thread of self-respect. Flicks the coin in and one of King Shark's babies leaps out and chomps the dude's hand off. He's like, why? Jim Gordon comes up in a security outfit and he asks, he's like, what's up all the hubbub? And he's like, that shark stole my wish. And King Shark runs out. He's like, daddy's coming. He leaps in. All the water splashes out of the fountain. And there's like no babies. Like, where's my babies? Jim got knocked down by all the water. And he's all the, the baby sharks are on his fingers, like chomping. And there's like a little bit of blood. And then King Shark apologizes. He said that he thought he could be a working dad, like on TV or something like that. And then, you know, Jim makes some comment. And King Shark's like, how'd you do it? And he's like, well, I'll show you. Meanwhile, Ivy walks in a conference room and then she sneezes because the Johns are just spraying something. I don't know what they're doing. Then she tells them to give her the passwords to all the socials and her laptop. And she's like, also, why do all my bras have underwire now? One of the Johns like, excuse me. He's like, if there's no wire, it's a bralette. And she's like, wait, there's more of you? And the one of the Johns like, yes, there is so much to do. And then this one like splits into two more. So it's like, Burr. so now there's like six of them. So John six gas or whatever. And, you know, he's wearing a different outfit. And the Johns tell uh, John six to tell this boss bitch her schedule. And he's like, your line of business corsets is about to drop. So you'll be appearing on Good Evening Bloodhaven. Another John says, and you'll need to take photos with the Poison Ivy doll once they've reissued uh, with a uh, less realistic buttholes or something like that. <laughs> this other one's like, but, but yeah, uh, you know, top of your agenda, judging the first annual little poisons, miss Ivy contest. He's like, that's right, sis. You're ready to appear with children. And they all like, clap. And another John's like, it's the coup de gras for PR. Another John's like, and if you hook them with, while their brains are still mushy, you'll have a little Ivy army to debone frackers and we'll be the most powerful PR team in the world. Ivy's like, yeah, so uh, I'm not going to be doing a kitty pageant. And they're like, oh, we see. No pageant? Uh, no problem. And she's like, uh, and she just like leaves. And then, you know, she walks out of the conference room. Out in the hall, her phone chimes immediately. There's a picture of her sneezing with a headline, Ivy's a chew snafu. And then the next post is like, why it's okay to hate women who sneeze. And she like looks in the conference because obviously, you know, she sneezed when she walked in. She looks in the conference room and John's like have this sort of like evil look. And she says to herself, she's like, that's it. Those fudgers are done. At Wayne Tower, Damien says, he's like, I can't believe Nightwing had a tracker he kept hidden from us. And Harley's like, I can't believe he hid it under a fake rock by the back door. So Lucius is trying to just um, like open it or figure it out. And he's fiddling with the wires. And Harley's like, at least we have a clue. I mean, whoever he was following may have something to do with his murder. So meanwhile, Batgirl's like, she starts pounding on a computer or whatever. And Harley turns her and says her bottle of sadness is kind of distracting. And Batgirl's like, you're girlfriend just posted celebrating our colleague's death harley's like every celebrity has to post about you know any other celebrity's death okay and she asks lucius you know how long is it going to take to get into the tracker and he's like it's not again you know whatever it's not a tracker it's a tracker's receptor you see and then we see there's a couple of ninjas watching from above then damien cries out he's like oh god they found us help and he's like tied up 
and and one of them holds a, like a phone out to him. It's Talia, and it's, she's like, Damien, this is your mother. I sent my associates to procure you. Go with them. And then he's like, sounds like my mama needs me. And he's already, he's like tied in the sack, like on one of the ninjas back, kind of like, like a, like a papoose or whatever you call it. Harley says that she's like, well, look, we're dropping like flies now. And she says that they should talk about how um, they feel about this. And Batgirl's like, I'm good. And Harley's like, come on, this isn't healthy. And Batgirl's like, you know, what's not healthy trying to act like everything's normal. And your coworker's girlfriend killed your other coworker. Harley's like, Ivy did not kill Nightwing. You know, and Barbara's like, or Babs, she's like, she's the head of the Legion of Doom. There's no way she had nothing to do with this. Harley's like, well, that's good. You know, keep letting those emotions out. And she's like, you know, keep yelling, even if you don't mean everything you're saying. And you know, then she like screams and like flips the work table and the tracker falls and it turns on. And Harley like gasps. She's like, the power of senseless violence. So then Alicia's like, it's at the Legion of Doom. So Ivy, um, she, she's a... Uh, in a parking garage and she gets a call from Harley and she's like, she looks at it and she answers it and she's like, sorry, babe, I'm in a meeting. I can't talk right now. I love you. You look great. And, she, and Harley's like, wait. And she hangs up. So her mentees have pulled up like in this big motorcycle thing driven by Tara. And she's like, Hey, looks like you guys hit mama Max for lunch. And she's like, Hey, you know, insider tip, they get free mozzarella sticks every time a hero dies. So, and Tara's like, Oh, now you're interested in what we're up to. You treat us like real poop. Volcanus, like everyone knows about the free mozzarella sticks and ivy's like, like oh yeah you know sorry i fudge up your debut she's like i should have been focusing on you not you know sexy beverage collabs and tefe's like and you can't have our leftovers okay and ivy's like just you know let me level with you i really need your help to get rid of my pr team you're only people i trust to help me except maybe bane but no one knows where he is so because he's still trying to go to italy to get a new uh pasta maker handle thing or whatever Volcana says that, that that sounds challenging for Ivy, but they remain wounded by her negligence. Ivy asks if they can just help her now and then they can work out the forgiveness part afterwards. Then they're like, okay, whatever, and yes, and fine. Ivy has Tara get the, get get them some privacy because they're still in the parking garage. So like like boulders or concrete, whatever, from the, the pave the floor just like makes this like rock dome around them. And they I guess they're gonna do their evil scheme. So then we see Ivy walks into the conference room and she's like, there you are, my esteemed PR team. She's like, I've had a change of heart. I've decided to host a little poison Miss Ivy contest after all. They like gasp. She's like, I realize it's in creative alignment. And, and then she's like reading stuff written on her, on her hand with my brand intentions. And then the Johns, they like dig what she's saying. And I, Ivy continues, she's like, and I see how it will help me leverage my identity as a, a thought leader. And since this will be my biggest public facing even yet, I'd like to order on, and then John's are like on the edge of their seat, a step and repeat. And then John's are like in ecstasy and the mentees give her like a thumbs up from out in the hall. Uh, Jim is meanwhile giving King Shark tips. He's like, you know, he lays one of the babies on a copy machine. He says that it provides white noise plus precious memories because it makes a photocopy and he remembers like barbara really loved a gory crime scene photo so he puts a bunch of like on the screen or something like that uh, we see uh babs and harley are walking towards the legion of doom babs asks she's like okay so where's your girlfriend's office and harley's like whatever happened to detective procedure that you guys are so obsessed with it's like we're following the tracker we don't know where it's going to lead yet okay and captain cold runs up he's like whoa harley he's like were you in on killing nightwing a long con i dig 
then they see that the villains are like getting ready to party outside. There's like the sign that says night night for Nightwing. They have beer and music, whatever. And there's like a Nightwing pinata. And Harley's like, WTF? Jim shows King Shark the finishing touch. He puts a bit of like alcohol in his finger, sticks it in the baby's mouth. And King Shark's like, is that allowed? And Jim's like, for dads, it is. They fall asleep. And King Shark says, he's like, I'm going to go force myself to take another poop. Because he, he did that earlier because he says that he can't remember the last time he, he pooped alone without you know the babies or whatever so he he, he goes <laughs> and then uh babs and harley run in and jim is like surprised asked what she's doing here and babs is like where's the tracker and he's like Shh, inside voice i just got them down so then the trackers lead her to one of the baby sharks because they're like in like crib like tank cribs they're like little cribs but they have water in there so one of the babies is holding the tracker device thing. So she grabs it out and then the baby starts crying. And Jim's like, oh, bad, stealing a buzzer from a baby? You always were a jealous child. And she's like, why the hell do you have this? He's like, I found it in a parking garage. It's a mama nacaroni buzzer. He's like, see, MN. And Harley's like, it's not a buzzer. It's a tracker. And then she rotates it, NW, Nightwing. And then uh, Babs is like, ugh, it's covered in drool. Now we can't test it for forensic. And Jim's like, look at you, a detective like your old man. Everything you know you got from me. And, and then she's like, shut up. And she tosses a tracker and it goes like through a window. Harley yells to watch it because, you know, the Bat family doesn't destroy personal property. And Babs like, oh, I see. You don't want me to destroy your girlfriend's office, even though she destroyed my family. And, and so this whole time, like Babs is not wearing her Batgirl costume, which I guess she couldn't walk into the Legion Doom in, in the costume, but she's just as Barb Gordon. So Harley's like, Ivy's a villain, but I'm telling you, she would never do this to me. And Babs like, well, let's see how long it takes her to convince after I beat the poop out of her. But it's like, okay, do you really think you, you can take her? Because they, they don't seem that skilled. I mean, it was just a couple episodes ago where they didn't know how to fight without all their weapons or gadgets. So then... Uh, she sees uh, Ivy with her mentees, and Harley's like, Ivy, Ivy, he's like, tell me you didn't murder my coworker, please. And Ivy's like, uh, sorry, one sec. She pulls Harley away, and, and she's like, now's not the time. And Harley's like, just answer the question. It's like, did you have anything to do with Nightwing? And Ivy's like, okay, wow. It's like, hello, do you really think I would do that to you? And Harley's like, I, I, I don't know, I don't know. And Ivy's like, well, I didn't. And Harley's like, thank God. And Ivy's like, but honestly, babe, if someone who works for me did, then... I don't know, good for them. You know I run an evil business and Nightwing would be a you know pretty big get. And she's like, Ivy, and she sighs. She's like, honey, I can't deal with this right now. I have to go judge a children's beauty pageant. And she like starts walking off and Harley's like, but you always say that kids with good posture give you the creeps. So uh, Babs had, had like several shots. Jim sees her and he's like, oh, look at you because uh, Harley tied her up to a chair. He's like, look at you, tied up and taking shots. You're a chip off the old block. How about I, I take you to Mama Macaroni? You know, someone gave me a gift card. He's like looking at his wallet. And she's like, it's Macaroni M. He's like, well, I'm pretty sure it's Macaroni. You know, it's how they pronounce it in Tuscany. <laughs> and she's like, God, you don't know the name of my favorite restaurant? And he's like, and you didn't even call me when Nightwing died? So Jim opens up his flask, dabs some elk on his finger and sticks it in her mouth. And she's like, ah, she's like, I'm not teething, you idiot. Now leave me alone. And he's like, well, at least I got eight little reptiles that love me. And then she sees Toy Man walk by. And she's like, hey, Toy Man. She's like, I want to play. And she punches him. And everyone gasps because they're probably wondering, who's this civilian punching, you know, Toy Man, whatever. And then Harley sees it from across the room and she gasps. 
Meanwhile, Ivy's outside by her statue, you know, the pageants out there. She says something like, you know, looking at the young faces and, you know, she's reminded of a simple truth. She's like, none of you will ever be like Poison Ivy. Then the kids and everyone gasp and then John's like glare at her. She's like, I was created by a freak accident in a lab and the, and through some fudged up miracle, I got superpowers instead of dying. That, combined with being a straight up genius, is what makes me, me. Also, I'm objectively gorgeous. And then to the kids, she's like, so guys, give up. And the kid's like, <gasps> and she's like, not going to happen. And the Johns try like going to, to the stage, but Tara's like wearing like a security shirt and she like stops them. So then Ivy's like, any questions? And so like when, like, even though these girls won't grow up to be you, surely they won't grow up to be special in their own way. And so it was Volcana pretending to be like a Lex News reporter. You know, she's got like a hat, like over her face. And Ivy's like, no, yeah, I'm scanning them right. You know, scanning them now and they're forgettable at best. So one of the girls like cries. Tefe has a live camera. He's like, "Oh, say that again for my live camera." And she, then Ivy's like, "So while we're live, guys, everyone, look underneath your seat for a commemorative Poison Ivy doll whose final design I personally approved." And a John yells, "Like the doll's not ready yet!" And the kid's like, "Mommy, why is this butthole so realistic?" And Ivy's like, "And one more thing." fudge almond milk she's like i know i'm just like no good at this pr stuff so i guess you're just gonna have to go resign in disgrace right and she does like a mic drop the johns start like twitching and everything like that and then they like join they meld together into this big one like one single giant john um babs is still fighting toy man then she starts jumping around like drinking and taking out other villains who are trying to attack her she's doing pretty well you know all things considered Outside, the giant John grabs Ivy, and she's like, guys, this seems like a, a good time as any for your debut. So they hop up on stage dramatically, and she's like, everyone, I'd like to introduce the natural disasters. So Tara makes the Ivy statue move, and it, it swings at the John, and it grabs the John by the throat, and he drops Ivy, who's caught by some big giant vines. Volcana blasts at the John, and then Teffy does his like uh, red you know, thing, whatever, his connection to the red, he reaches like the baby sharks and they leap out uh, and the, the statue Ivy forces the John's mouth open. So the sharks jump into him, Volcana blasts him with the flame, like he's like singed. Uh, so, so the John's like, I'll burn now, but he manages to kick the statue over and it breaks. Then he pokes uh, fun at Ivy for letting her underlings fight her battle. And she's like, your greatest accomplishment was getting a nut milk to accept me. So he's about to counter, but then the sharks are like chomping away at his insides, his intestines and stuff like that. He bends over and then whoosh, he explodes and the, the sharks land safely in the big fountain up front somehow. <laughs> so the pageant's over and we see the pageant girls are all covered in blood too. The big John falls over and they're like, we were scaling up to oat. You know, it was a five point plan. Oh, that we see the mentees are covered in blood. Volcana and Tara high five and Tara like fist bumps Tefe. And then the, the bloody pageant girls stare. Then they cheer. Ivy comes out. She's like, oh, my goodness. She's like, look at you, cheering for a giant man exploding. She's like, gosh, maybe you little freaks can be like me after all. So we see Harley catches up to Babs. She's like, I talked to Ivy. She didn't do it. And Babs is like, yeah, then who did? Santa Claus? And she punches Harley. And, and Harley's like, surprise. Then we see Joker walking, cackling. Did someone order a rum and Joker? He's like, eh, well, I'm a little rusty. He's like, whatever. And then he's, Harley's like, the fudge is, is this municipal Dwad doing here? He's like, I'm here to announce my return to evil. I know how much you've all been missing me. So I brought back one of my classic hits, killing a member of the Bat family. <laughs> he's like, I killed Nightwing. But it's like, did he really? 
which I guess is better than Harley doing it. So the villains start like chanting, rum and Joker, rum and Joker. And Babs like, you son of a, and Harley's like trying to restrain her. And Babs like shoves Harley and starts crying, pushes past Joker and like runs out. Harley gets up and sees like Ivy laughing with Talia and like the mentees like far off. And then she sees like herself winking at her. Then she's like, what, am I dreaming? She's like, what the fudge? And that's the end of the episode. So it's like, how is there two Harleys? Like, what, what is going on? I, I don't know. But that was the end. So it's like, yeah. I mean, the, the thing with the show, they, they've killed so many people. Like, they've killed so many villains. So I guess it's possible they could kill Nightwing. I mean, they essentially took Batman off the board by sending Bruce Wayne to jail. <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's crazy. All right, with uh, Twisted Metal, season one, episode six, DRVTH. Are you drive through? So it starts off in the, the OC farmlands. We see people like picking fruit off of trees. There's like armed guards. Loud is like reading a book. He's supposed to be picking fruit, I guess, or whatever. And then Quiet runs up. She says she got them a contract. She's like, four years, and we get two acres of pristine beachfront OC property. He, you know, he reads the female has been assigned to domestic work, the male food service. And he's, he's like, we got to do four years of this poop? She's like, we've been stuck in these fields since you know we were kids. He's like, do you not hear what I said about beachfront property? And he's like, well, what about Adrian? And she's like, come on. She's like, Adrian, it doesn't mean anything. You know, we're just having a little fun. So I guess it's her boyfriend or something like that. He's like, I know. He's like, we share a wall. You know, he's not sure, but she convinced him it's better than growing old and shriveled like this guy Tobin who's next to him. He's like, I heard you. He's like, and they're like, we meant for you to hear because they don't like him or whatever. So then in the present, we see quiet. You know, she starts to wake up and she mutters about her head and she sees like this burger menu or just like a black hole burger or something like that. And John's like, like quiet. And, and she's like, why are we here? And he, he says that, you know, that they're okay. That, you know, there's this body wrapped in foil with like fr French fries as a face or something like that. And John says that he's like, oh, you left a note. And so he reads it. It's like the astral knots of store LIS004 have left this ruined world to ascend to our new home on the two ring planet. I, Zachary, await an escape pod for my mortal flesh. Please do not move me. And he's like, see, they ascended. We're good. So they're like inside a fast food restaurant, uh, obviously. She gives him a look and, and he's like, fine. He's like, I'll take out the leftovers. And he's like, lucky I got you out of Topeka. Stone almost smoked your ass, right? And she like goes up to him and like hits him in the shoulder. He's like, ow. He's like, what's that for? She's like, I had him. He was my kill. He's like, who? Stone? He's like, are you delusional? When I saw you, your car was sideways and you were covered with blood. Matter of fact, you're still bleeding. And she's, and she's like, at least he's dead, right? And he's like, Stone? Yeah, maybe. Now that I think of it, no. She's like, what the fudge, John? He's like, I was busy trying to get your ass out of the amusement park alive. The fact that we're both standing here, I think I made the right call. She's like, it wasn't your call to make. And he's like, says the a-hole who poisoned me. She's like, and I told you not to come back for me. He's like, well, I ignored that. And she's like, why? He's like, because it was a stupid fudging thing to say. And she's like, well, you're fudging stupid. He's like, well, so are you. <laughs> then, then she grabs him and they start smooching. And we're like, what? They start to like take off their jackets and stuff like that. And you see he's got like a condom in his mouth and he's like, you know, holding it, whatever. And she's like, do you think something is about to happen? And he's just like, looks at her and she's like, because it definitely is. Shirts are off or whatever. They start going. Then he's like, it's been a while since I, and she's like, why do you talk so much? More smooching. Then they fall into the ball pit and then dun, dun, dun. So then we see a pass at, at the Astral Burger restaurant. So obviously it's, it's a different Astral Burger restaurant. 
because it says like only burger in Laguna Beach or something like that. Quiet goes in, you know, following some older, you know, probably rich lady that she's working for. So they're doing this work contract thing. The lady, she sees like a rich friend of her and she's like, oh, I love your earrings. And there's like fingers dangling from it. So in the OC, they would chop people's parts off and use them as jewelry. She comments how she's like, oh, I have a new necklace and there's like a finger in there. She's like, the idiot didn't finish her chores. So it's a quiet finger. Then she gives quiet like some money in her order to you know go to the counter. She goes up to the counter. She's a brother like at the register. And she points to the menu because they're not supposed to talk, you know, for like the, the menu item, whatever. She puts the money down. He notices that she's missing a finger and, you know, she kind of like hides her hand, you know, because they can't speak. Then he hands her her food like on a tray. It's like super fast. And, and then he's like kind of like holding her hand like while he's passing the tray to her. Then, you know, her stupid lady yells out. She's like, hello, I can totally see you holding the tray. As Quiet walks over, there's like other people eating. You see they're wearing like fingers around their necks, you know, while their workers are sitting next to them. Some are like missing an ear or a nose. It's just like really disgusting. And then the restaurant manager, he has like several ears around, you know, his, his neck. He announces everyone. He's like, well, you know, I hate to tell you, you know, announce this, but, you know, there's an active shooter nearby. He's like, yes, another one. So he's like, we're all safe, but, you know, we'll be going on lockdown. So until it all clears, like, please enjoy endless shooting star fries on the house. And he signals too loud. You know, he, he locks the door and turns off the lights. But it's like, wait, there's like big windows and stuff like that. I don't know if they're bulletproof. In the, in the present, Quiet wakes up in a ball pit. John's like snoring. Then she says to herself, well, that complicates things. She tries moving slowly and quietly like in the ball pit. was like, you know, she's like gathering up her clothes. It's been like thrown all about. Then um, she makes a bit of a noise, but John's just like out. So she heads to the door, but there's a, a you know, there's a, like a bell on the door, you know, whatever. And John wakes up and he sees her at the door. He's like, hey, you're awake. And he's like, where are you going? And she's like, I... I got to go. He's like, are you seriously going back to him? She's like, you don't understand. He starts moving through the ball pit, like trying to swim through it all, whatever. And then she's like, bye. And she leaves. He like curses at, at the balls, whatever, because it's taking him so long to get out. He walks out just like in his pants. And he, he's like, next time you see Stone, he'll give you a bullet enema if you're lucky. She's like, not if I give him one first. He's like, yeah, like you'll get within 10 miles of officer psychopath after the poop you pulled. She, she like stops walking when... Um, she sees like some weird electricity lightning. It's like purple lightning with her. She's like, what was that? He's like, poop. He's like, we need to get inside right now. He's like, that's a Watkins storm. And then like more purple lightning like blasts at their feet and they both like scream. So more zaps as they're trying to run back inside. John sarcastic is like, well, badass. He's like, what's the plan? She just like glares at him. And he's like, only a complete idiot would go out in this. And she's like, isn't that your car out there? And then there's like there's a little blast, you know, not, not a big one that hits like the hood of his car. He runs out. He's like, oh, fudge. He's like, Evelyn. <laughs> Quiet comments. You know, she's like, he runs weird. He manages to get, get Evelyn under like some weird card carport thing. I don't know if it was, maybe it was like where uh, dumpsters usually go, like open, whatever. But, you know, so Evelyn's kind of protected or something like that. <laughs> he, he runs back. Uh, the dead body, because it has like a, a knife in, in his chest, right? It gets uh, zapped by lightning and catches fire. And then he, he gets like a, a zap in the butt. Or like, well, I guess it was his back. It looked like it was behind. And then she you know, looks at the burning body through the glass. And here's John coming through like the, the drive, because he had to go around. So he goes through like the drive through window. And then he, he, he like falls and he like curses because he fell on his burn. And he looks at her. He's like, this is what I get for saving your life. So then back in the past, 
is he allowed his, his passing more fries out to customer. He and Quiet Kid keep eyeing each other. Then he kind of motions, you know, to her. She then uh, Quiet signals, you know, to her boss lady without talking and you know, like points down, you know, basically saying she has to go to the bathroom. And the lady's like, this is why I tell you to drink less water. And she's like, just go. And she scoffs her friend as she like chomps some more fries before she makes it to the bathroom loud, like pulls her to the side and then they, they hug. And he's like, like, Oh, I missed you too. And he's like, are you holding up? Okay. But quiet, like holds you know finger up to her mouth, like shush him. He's like, no one even comes back here. He's like, he says that it's, it's been three years. He's like, let me hear that annoying ass voice of yours. And she doesn't say anything. He's like, he's like, please, it's me. She like shakes her head and he digs out his jacket from in between some boxes. He's like, see, they can't take everything away. And he like puts it on her and he's like, see, you're still the same annoying pest. And he says that when his manager isn't looking, he's like, I fart in this lunch. He's like, I I'm talking a full bullhorn fudging blast. And then she like laughs. He's like, ah, oh, there you are. Then he, they hear his manager is like starting to come in. So, you know, she takes off the jacket, whatever. They both grab some like boxes of hamburger buns or whatever. He's like, what are you doing back here? And Loud like holds up the boxes. Manager's like, she's not allowed back here. He's like, your keeper will not be happy. He like goes to grab her, then Loud yells, don't touch her. The manager's like shocked, like slaps Loud. He's like, know your place. He's like, how dare you speak? And then Loud spits in his face. So the manager pulls out a knife to Loud's throat. And then there's like screaming out front. And dude's like, he's like, he's like, oh, we're not done. And so outside, there's like some, probably some other worker, slave, whatever you want to call him, like with a gun. And she's like yelling. She's like, all of this is lies, lies. The manager says to people, he's like, uh, you know, Reaper should be here any moment, I hope. The ladies yell. She's like, you promised me. It's like, I gave you four years. Where's my beach? Where's my freedom? Loud and quiet, like, look at each other because that's what they were promised. And the, the lady's like, the contract is BS. She's like, all of this is BS. And then poof, she gets shot in the head. And people inside start clapping. And then this, like, pink hearse, like the one that they were driving at at the beginning, pulls up to the body. The manager says, like, hey, lockdown's been lifted. You're all free to go. Then he grabs loud and says, just you wait. In the present, John is trying to put, like, a, a napkin on, like, his burn. Because he puts some, like, stuff on it, whatever, in the middle of his back. Quiet's like, just give me your napkin. And John Summers is like, no, I don't want your help. And she's like, you need it. He's like, do I? So he puts a napkin on the table, splashes. I don't know if it's like alcohol or, you know, something on there. And then he just like lays back on the table in, in pain. And he like grins at her. And she's like, you've done this before, haven't you? There's like more lightning outside. Then she's like, what's a Watkins storm anyways? He's like, a nuclear plant in Watkins Harbor exploded. When the power went out, you know, it poisoned the atmosphere. The further east you go, the worse it gets. So we just got to wait it out a while. And she's like, how long is a while? And he just like gives her a look. And she's like, Argh. So trying to pass time, John is like um, tossing soda lids. There's like this alien like standee thing, you know, with its mouth open. He keeps missing, and Quiet finally comes up and tosses one in. He and make, you know, goes right in there. He's like lucky shot, and she's like really. He's like, oh, do you want to make it interesting? He's like, if I make it, I get to ask you anything. And he's like, same thing if if you do. She's like, okay. He tosses one in, goes right in, and she's like, you just played me. And he's like, that was just luck. But since you lost. What's the coolest place you've ever been? And she's like, are you seriously not going to ask me my name? And he's like, oh, poop, wait. And she's like, nope. And she's like, Disneyland. And he's like, what's that? And she gives him a look. She's like, you never heard of Disneyland? He like shakes his head. She's like, I went there when I was a kid, before the fall. You know, lots of kids. It, it had a castle, it rides, princesses, Mickey Mouse. He's like, why did this mouse have a name? Why was he so special? 
And she's like, excuse me? Mickey was very cool. He had a snappy little tux. And he gave very good hugs, too. He's like, you hug the giant mouse? That's disgusting. I would never take a child to this land of monsters. She's like, it was the happiest place on earth, mother trucker. And she's like, let me guess. The coolest place you've ever been is up your own ass. He's like, ah, ah, ah. He's like, play the game. She easily makes another shot. He's like, the container store. And she's like, the container store? He's like, yes. Picture a store full of plastic containers, dispensers, big, small, all different colors. When I get my own spot in New San Francisco, everything is going to have its own place to go. She's like, do you own anything of value? He's like, ah, you already asked your question. Now it's my turn. So you would think he would ask her first name, but I guess he doesn't. You know, time passes. There's lots of lids on the floor or whatever. And Quiet says, what do you mean you've never stepped in the ocean? He's like, never have and never will. She's like, what? Why? He's like, ghosts. The ghosts in the ocean? Her eyes go wide. She's like, there aren't any fudging ghosts in the ocean. He's like, have you ever been to the ocean? It's dark, man. Look, the shadows are the perfect breeding ground for spirits. And have you ever heard of ghost ships? Who the fudge do you think is piloting those ships? Dolphins? She calls him a, a fudging dunce. She laughs. He says that you know she doesn't have to laugh. She's like, yes, I do. That is the dumbest poop I've ever heard. It's like, next year you're going to tell me you believe in life on other planets. His eyes like go wide. And she's like, oh, fudge off. He says, not aliens, like you know, restaurant mascots. She's like, he's like, you mean to tell me you think we're the only ones in the whole universe? Just us? That's a sad way of thinking, if you ask me. And she's like, you'd rather believe in aliens? I'd rather believe we're not in it alone. And she's like, oh, we're not alone because, you know, ocean ghosts. And he's like, have you ever been to the bottom of the ocean or space? And she's like, not lately. He's like, so you don't know what's out there, do you? And she's like, I'll give you that. He's like, thank you. And she's like, I never saw a Watkins storm before today, obviously. He's like, but I've never seen a llama and a goat in the same room at the same time. And if we're being honest, they both say, I think they're the same animal. And she's like, I've never broken my arm. And he's like, I've never ridden a bicycle. She says, I've never seen snow. He's like, I've never seen a baby pigeon. And she's like, I've never fudged in a ball pit twice. Then he's like, neither have I. Dun, dun, dun. They go back. Afterwards, there's like sitting at opposite ends, you know, they're just talking. Then she says, hey, you're right. He's like, I should have thanked you. He's like, thank me for what? Saving your ass or for crushing that ass? And he's like, look, I, I, I was thinking. Uh, and she's like, uh, is John Doe, the motor mouth, actually tongue-tied? It's like, oh my goodness. Come on, man, spit it out. He's like, you should come with me. And she's like, what? Do, do the delivery with me. Look, the only reason we've made it this far is because we've had each other. He's like, she's like, I can't. He's like, no, we could be partners. He's like, partners? What would I get out of being your partner? He says that, you know, this delivery gets him to New San Francisco. You know, it could get her in too. He's like, you could have a better life on the inside, you know, security, safety. And she's like, no. She's like, I've been on the inside. I know what it's like. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, New San Francisco is different than the OC. She's like, you don't know that. He's like, I do. I've seen it with my own eyes. And she's like, you really think you, you know everything, don't you? He's like, well, in this case, I do. She starts to getting dressed. It's like, I can't come with you. He's like, look, even if you go back to Stone, and even if you succeed in killing him, you know, which you won't, by the way. She's like, fudge you, I won't. He's like, there'll always be another Stone, and another, and another. She's like, trust me, it's not worth it. She's like, you don't understand. And he's like, look, I've spent decades dealing with guys just like Stone. You think he's the only crazy a-hole out there? I don't want that life anymore. That's why I'm doing this, to get a better one. And she's like, there's nothing better. I tried finding something better. And I got my brother killed. And he's like, you're carrying around too much. You know, the jacket, your guilt, 
you know, she can't carry the, the burden of her brother for the rest of her life. And she says, like, that's easy for you to say. You never had a brother. You never had anyone. That makes him go silent. And then he's, he says, well, at least I'm not a stubborn a-hole with a death wish because she's feeling sorry for herself. And she's like, I don't feel sorry for myself. He says, you could have fooled me. And she's like, you know what? I don't need this. As soon as that storm passes, I'm gone. He's like, fine. You're slowing me down anyways. In the past, manager drags loud outside. There are a couple of reapers standing there by their purple hearse, whatever they have guns in hands. He pulls out a knife. He says to reaper, he's like, but first for my collection, he grabs loud's ear, slices it off. And then he starts putting on his necklace with the other. He's just like smiling. He looks at his fingers are bloody and everything's all gross. And he's like, he's all yours. Then he looks up and the two reapers have been shot. They're lying on the ground. There's like a pool of blood around their heads. And he's like, what the? Then quiet comes up behind him, whoosh, slices his throat. And then she helps Lao to his feet. And she's like, I'm not leaving without you. And he's like, fudge head. And they, they like hug. And she's like, I wanted a better life for us. And this isn't it. It's like, let's go find one. Then they get into the hearse. So that's why they were driving the, the, that hearse. In the present, John is like sleeping on, on a bench with like a foil, one of those foil blanket things. Quiet's like in the ball pit. Then you know, she starts like kind of tossing and turning, like making noise. John finally yells, stop moving, like gritting her teeth. She's like, I can't get comfortable. And then he like starts moving, making crinkling noises. And she yells at him to stop moving. He's like, I can't sleep because of you. And she starts moving. He's like, go to sleep. And she like crawls out. You know, she's like, I'm hungry. She heads in the kitchen. Sees like a, a big jar of like potassium cyanide sitting on the shelf. So I don't know if that's what the, the workers use. There's a cardboard sign on the freezer. It says mothership. And she opens up the door with a gasp because there's like several bodies like wrapped in foil and they're kind of like propped up. John here is quiet cursing from the back. She's trying to cook like a couple frozen meat patties, but she can't get the, the stove to turn on. He tells her, he's like, oh, the gas must be out. And then she feels like a propane tank that's like empty. So she heads to this other one. He's like, I can help. She's like, I don't need your help. And she realizes the tank is really heavy and she like curses. And he's like, you don't have to carry that alone. She's like, watch me. He's like, you're going to hurt yourself. I got it. He's like, you have to let go. I can't let go, John. He's like, yes, you can. And she starts sobbing and he like takes her in his arms and like holds her, which was, you know, it was kind of like a nice moment. They ate their burgers later. He's like, how is it? She's like, it's good. Yours? He's like, I'm eating the same thing as you. And they chuckle. Then later, they're both lying in the ball pit. And she's like, you were right. We are not alone. There's a poster like up on the ceiling with a spaceship saying, we are not alone. And he's like, told you. In the morning, John's lying alone in a pit. He wakes with a smile. Then he notices quiet's gone. He looks at the bell at the door and at the drive through window. And he's like, damn. So I don't know if she, I couldn't tell if the, the bell was bent or not. It's like, did she, she sneak out? Outside, he looks down at the charred corpse of the dude that he put out there. He's like, jello, Zachary, fudging dork. And then you hear, hey, Sleeping Beauty. Quiet's like loading a box and like some, some food, I guess non-perishable food into Evelyn's trunk. She's like, I thought we were on a timeline. He like smiles. He's like, oh, it's we now? And she's like, don't make it weird. He's like, anything you say, partner. So, New Chicago? And he like hands, or she, she hands him the keys and she's like, New Chicago. So they're driving. And then she sticks her hand out the window. You see like a tear go down her cheek and you can see like Sears Tower or whatever it's called these days. Sears Tower in the distance, they pass a sign that says, welcome to Chicago, Illinois. And it's spray painted. You've seen this, like, a, I don't know if I mentioned it, but there's a spray painted on the side. It's like Calypso is real. So Calypso is like a character from the game or whatever. And so something is going to come out of that. That's the end of episode six. 
Episode 7, N-U-T-H-O-U-Z, Nuthouse. So it seems like these are getting easier to read, which is good. Starts off in 1989. It's just like on a, on a set for like a TV show. There's this kid, Marcus Kane. He's like sitting in a chair. He's looking at the, the episode script. He's like, I don't get it. He's like, the show's always been called Two Scoops. They can't just add Billy to the title for no reason. He's talking to this older couple. So I, I wasn't sure. It's like, is it his actor parents? Is it his actual parents? The lady's like, well, I'm sure there's a good reason. Everyone loves Billy. And the dude's like, I know I do. And Mark is like, but I'm the lead. It's like, so what? Billy gets a few laughs. And now he's the next Urkel. I mean, even Billy's fan club is twice the size of mine. And the dude's like, well, he's twice as funny. And, and the mom's like, stop. Your dad is so bad. And then the kids, Marcus, he's like, well, at least it's not my real dad. And then the guy, like, he gets serious. He's like, you know, you should thank your lucky stars for that. Hmm? He's like, you'd still be living in a taxi cab if your unhinged father didn't go to jail. He's like, go, take your mark. And he, so he sits down like a paper bag in a chair next to him. So it's like, wait, paper bag, is that Harold? Is this Sweet Tooth as a kid? Then he's sitting on a set in front of, like, studio audience. You know, it's like a living room scene. He's eating from this big jar. I'm assuming it's Skittles. And there's a grandma, like, she's, like, sewing or knitting. Or she, not, not sewing, she's knitting. And she's like, slow down, you'll get a tummy ache. He stands up. He's like, oh, yeah? Tell that to my sweet tooth. There's very little, like, very sparse laughter. And um, then it's, he's, he's like, we have to open the, the ice cream store. I wonder what's taking Billy so long. Toilet flushes. Dog walks out, has, like, TP stuck to his foot. Audience cheers. And then he's, the kid Marcus starts getting angry. Then grandma, grandma mumbles like, it's your line. And he goes over to her, grabs her knitting needles, goes up to Billy the dog. It's like a golden retriever or something like that. And then whoosh, stabs it, blood spurts up. And then again, the camera guy's like, OMFG. And the crowd's like, <gasps> his parents are like in shock. And Marcus is like, who's a good boy now, Billy? Whoosh, there's like blood all over. And he stabs again. And he, he like smiles and laughs. Then he looks at the camera. Line? That was bad. So John and Quiet reach the gate for New Chicago. There's like no one there. He calls out, hello. He's like, anybody in there? And he wonders, like, how am I supposed to pick up the package? She tells him to cross the moat. He's like, why don't you? She's like, uh-uh, that water is gross as fudge. It's like lime green or whatever. She's like, I'm not swimming in that toilet water. So they look both ways. You see that the moat goes on like both directions. And it's like, doesn't look like it ends. And he's like, this doesn't make any sense. And she's like, I'm going to throw a rock at it. He like rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, great idea, genius. So um, she throws a rock. <laughs> it, it just doesn't do anything. But then there's a ding behind them. And this door to this little shack like swings open. That's like, I don't know if I said shack behind them. There's like the elevator door inside. And she looks at him. He's like, don't you say it. And she's like, but, she's like don't. No, no. And she blushed out. I told you so. So they go down. And there's like this dark hallway from the elevator. This creepy voice is like, this way. And then she starts walking out with a smile. He's like, where are you going? And she's like, you heard the creepy disembodied voice. And she's like, come on, coward. Getting warmer. He's like, now he's giggling. I can't believe you're enjoying this. She's like, it's like a haunted house. So she talks about the, the smoke and the lightning. And she's like, I have expect a vampire to pop out. And then like, hello. And she's like, ah. They both you know, just kind of scream. And she's like, oh, you got me. And she, she laughs. And she's like, oh, please tell me you live down here. And the voice is like, oh, no, I don't live down here. And then she sees that the smoke kind of clears. There's just like an intercom. She's like, twist. And John's like, I don't have time for this tomfoolery. He's like, show yourself. Or why would I reveal my face? You see, there's power and anonymity. And he's like, wait a minute. Are you Calypso? And quiet points to John, like, like, oh, you got it. And the voice is like, what? 
He's like, I read that name everywhere. Believe in Calypso. Calypso's real. And she's like, yeah, are you him? There's a creepy laughter. And she's like, I guess that means yes. And then uh, ca this cabinet opens to the side of them. With, there's like a couple things in there. And she's like, oh, secret compartment, choice. So John pulls out, there's like a little backpack. And then he's, and there's like this other, he's like, hey, Calypso. He's like, I should get a supply bump when, you know, picking up deliveries. We need gas, man. He's like, the package is what you've earned. No more, no less, no free handouts. He's like, well, can we at least get a peek inside? And she's like, or a deep dish for the road? And John's like, what are you going to do with a dish? She's like, it's not a dish, dummy. It's a pizza. He like looks confused. She's like, oh, my God, have you never had a pizza? And she's like, oh, we'll have to try it. It's like a, she's like, imagine a, a wheel made of bread and cheese. And he's like, oh, fudge, I want that. And she's like, yeah, we want that. The, the voice is like, you have what you need. Now get, like, take it back to Raven like a good milkman. Your San Francisco treat awaits. Ding, ding. So they like start walking back towards the elevator. And she's like, this is really well done. He's like, thank you. Oh, and John, may all your wishes come true. <laughs> and, and then in the elevator, she's like, that was cool. So that's it. We don't get to, so if this was Calypso, we don't see him. We don't see what New Chicago looks like. <laughs> so there are 10 miles, there's a sign like Chicago 10 miles, so they're 10 miles away. Then Quiet's like, still got to hand it to that Calypso guy. She's like, what a showman. She's like, do you think that steam was actually coming from the pipes? Or, or do you think it was like dry ice that was like filtered in for ambiance? He's like, I'm more concerned with making it to New San Francisco in one piece. He's like looking at the map while he's driving. He's like, we can't go back the way we came after Topeka. So now we're going to have to go north and hook back around. And he's like, oh, there's a pits. And she makes like a sarcastic comment. He's like, it's, it's an old milkman's pit stop. And he says that, you know, you can go there, you can trade stories, you can gas up, you can get, sh get chow. It's like maybe even a shower. And she's like, why haven't we stopped by one sooner? And he says, because there's only two of them left. It's like they have very strict ground rules there. She like makes this face. He's like, rule one, don't talk about your job. No one cares what you're moving. But what you're getting paid, that's a different story. So we leave that at the door. And he's like, rule two, no weapons allowed. And she's like, anything can be a weapon. She's like, I stabbed you with a pen. And she's like, what about your hands? You can strangle, pummel, you can thumb fudge the eyes. He's like, your hands aren't that strong. And, and then she makes the suggestions that they, they, you know, she grabs his leg with her hand. And then she's kind of suggesting that they, she's like starts to straddle him while he's driving. And then dun, dun, dun. He's like, I can pull over, but she doesn't want to pull over. Then we see Agent Stone, he's alive. And he's, he's not singed or anything like that. He's like putting gas from like a, like a big gas can into like a police SUV. Someone named Roberts calls him on, on the radio. So he gets on and he's like, this better be about the mute and the milkman. So he still thinks that uh, Quiet can't talk. Roberts like, sir, it's uh, the clown. Sir, Sweet Tooth hit our Colorado outpost, just like Utah and, and the dam. He killed everyone and took the prisoners with him. Stone like curses, like punches the roof of his truck. And he like cries out. So I think it really hurt his hand. Because at first I was like, wait, what's going on? Robert's considered, he's like, also, uh, it, it's not urgent, but there's a small snafu at the motor, motor pool. He's like, minor collision. Jamie and I are fine, but he cuts him off. He's like, listen, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, these are not just random attacks. That smiley face SUV is going somewhere. Then we see Sweet Tooth and Stu and several others. They go into like this prison yard and then they like pass out food. I don't know if it's like PB and J sandwiches and like Capri Sun are given out. And he's like, you get what you get and that's all that you get or something like that. And then uh, Sweet Tooth is talking about, you know, his growing fan club because he tells Stu to come with him. He's like, not you, you, you know, so he doesn't get to snack. He talks about his fan club and, you know, not 
but not everyone believes in him. He's like, you know, they didn't just stop here for poops and hoops. He's like, we're here for something important. And Stu's like, what? And he's like, closure. So they're walking towards like the Blackfield Asylum East Wing. So John and Quiet, they stop off to try to find some gas. Just sort of outside, it says like the nut house. There's like this, like a restaurant or something like that, a bar. Then she asks if this is where the milkmen hang out. And, and, and she's like, you know, let's divide and conquer. And so he's like, I bless you, honorary milkman. You guess up, I supply. You know, he does a little like cross, you know, whatever. So he answers this big gas can and she smacks him on the behind. He's like, hey. So she goes up to the gas pump, you know, waits for this guy to finish. And then this other dude like cuts in front of her and, and you know, she says something and he like spits this big gob of like chewing tobacco or whatever at feet. Then this blonde in his skirt comes up with a knife and she stabs his can like several times. And she's like, at least get a girl off before treating her like poop. And he's like, I ought to choke you. And she's like, oh, promise. And she laughs and then like hits him in the crotch. And she's like, bye, Grady. And then to Quiet, she's like, you're up. So Quiet's like, thanks. I thought uh, weapons weren't allowed. And she's like, <gasps> she closes it and like sticks it like in, in the front of her, her dress. They go inside and she's like, oh, I haven't, hadn't seen you around. She's like, are you taking over to a territory? And Quiet's like, nah, I'm here with, and she sees John at the bar. She's like, Johnny? He's like, Mary? And she's like, oh, my God. She, like, runs up to him, like, kind of jumps his arm, starts smooching him. And Quiet kind of looks impressed. Then Mary slugs him. She's like, you left me for dead, a-hole. He's like, I thought you were dead, a-hole. And so Quiet's like, I guess you two know each other? And Mary's like, what? Wait, 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 wait. You're with this SOB? And she, like, laughs. It's, it's actually more like a cackle. And then Quiet, she's like, how clenched do you think his butthole is right now? She's like, oh, I'm going to guess it's pretty tight. So then her drinking shots, Mary t is like telling old stories about John and like Quiet's cracking up. And she tells her like her story. So she was at this one place and whatever. And it was like, it was got torched. And John's like, yeah, I heard about the, the fire. And also no one survived. She's like, oh, but I did. And then she asked Quiet like what her story is. And she's like, no way you're a milkman. And she's like, your butt is too perky. So Quiet says that she's from the OC where they cut off body parts and wear them at like jewelry. So then, um, when they get a chance, because, you know, Mary says, like, shots are on Johnny or whatever like that. So then he says, quiet, he's like, look, about Mary. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you weren't a virgin when I met you? She's like, I could give two soggy dumps about your ex. And she's, she's like, we're on a schedule anyways. And he's, he says that he wants to, like, butter them up to get more information because they, they, you know, get some tips, like, where, like, a vulture's nest is, whatever, so you know where to avoid. So he, he wants more intel so they can get back safely. And so he takes more shots to the others. And then the bartender says to Quiet, he's like, Bloody Mary's a character, isn't she? And she's like, Bloody Mary, really? He's like, hey, you're laughing, but she's made more runs than anyone. She'll wipe out a whole vulture's nest just for craps and cackles. And he's, he's like, they all have nicknames around here. You know, it means a lot. You know, he starts pointing people out. He's like, that's Pizza Boy. That's Petunia. There's Pit Viper. And she's like, oh, I can't wait to hear yours. He's like, they call me Mr. Slam. And she's like, Why? He's like, because I can crush anything with my massive penis. And she like, does like a spit take. She spits up on the bar and she like wipes it. And she sees this guy come out like all clean. And she's like, is there a shower here? And he's like, he's like, yeah, we have one out back. He hands her like a towel and some soap. And then he like some deodorant. And here's like for your nooks and crannies. She's like, oh, don't worry about my nooks and crannies. At the asylum, Sweet Tooth tells Stu that his parents sent him here because he got into a disagreement with his co-star. He's like, actually, they sent me to the kitty ward. Then I moved to the Juvie Wellness Center. Then finally got bumped up to Blackfield after I murdered my roommate. He's like, trust me, that guy was a psychopath. And Stu's like, what'd he do? He thought Chris Kirkpatrick was the best member of NSYNC.
So he says that this is where he grew up. And he's like, he says no one came to see him, not even his parents. You know, they said they would, but they lied. So Stu's like, you felt alone. He's like, I get it. Don't make this about you, Stuart. And he like continues, whatever. He says, he, you know, he got to know the guys there. They were just like him. He's like, Blackfield was the best 10 years of my 25 to life. They go into like the wing. He's like, oh, it still smells the same. And Stu sees like a bunch of newspaper clippings on a wall, like a nation mourns Billy. There's a picture of the dog. Needless, needles cane sentence. You know, they call him needles because of sewing needles. Dog funeral beats out ratings for kid trial. And Stu's like, your co-star was a dog? He's like, fudge, Billy, that SOB. And he turns to the side. He's like, oh, s sorry, mommy. I didn't mean to swear. There's like two skeletons like enclosed in a corner. So I guess it's his actual parents. He introduces Stu to his mommy and Wesley. He's like, that's right, Wesley. I still won't call you dad. Stu's like, you, you locked your parents in here? He's like, I wrote. I tried calling. They ignored me. They always ignore me. So when the world ended and the cell block opened up, I tracked them down. I left them in here to rot, just like they left me. And Stu's like, uh, you have their attention now. So Sweet, Sweet Tooth starts talking. He's like, Mommy, Wesley, I never wanted to try out for that sitcom. I was perfectly happy doing summer stock in the Berkshires. He's like, but you needed a Lexus. And you were my parents. You are supposed to be my biggest fans. But you know what? I don't need you a-holes because I have found my people. Those guys out there, they love me for me. And he starts like stomping on the, the skeletons of bodies. He's like, I don't need you. And he's like, just stops, crushes the skulls and everything like that. And he catches his breath. Then in a sweet voice, he's like, and that con concludes our tour. Kawhi takes a shower, and then you know she comes out with wrapped in towel, and Mary says something. He's like, "Oh, I'd kill for those areolas or something like that." So she, you know she's sitting there, and then she's got a knife with like some some drugs. She's like, "Oh, would you like a bump?" And she's like, uh, "No, thanks." And then she sees Mary sees a, the badge scar on uh, Kawhi's shoulder. She's like, "Oh, I know that brand." And she's like, "You lost a finger, and you got the law on your ass. Are you crazy or just unlucky?" And Kawhi's like a little of both, I guess. And she's like, me too. Mary shows her like some, her scars, like this big gash on her thigh and stuff like that. And then, uh, you know, Mary puts on a shirt, you know, she turns her back and Mary, or Kawhi puts on a shirt. Mary sees this, like a steering wheel mark on, on her, her back from when they were going at it. And she's like, so what's it like driving with Johnny? Is it as wet and wild as he always said it would be? So Kawhi scoffs. And she's like, he would say wet and wild. And she's like, riding with John is mostly irritating. I'm sure I'll get used to it, but it's only been a couple of days. And Mary's like, you just met and you're already going on rides? And she like chuckles. And Kawhi's like, I mean, just this one job. And Mary's like, well, it must be nice. Johnny always said it would be too dangerous for me to ride with him. Milkmen have an expiration date, blah, blah, blah. Guess I had to figure it out for myself. So Kawhi's like, uh, she's like, listen, I wouldn't read too much into it. It's not like he lets me drive his car. And she's like, oh, of course not. But I see the way he looks at you. He likes you, like, like likes you. But he will never pick you over that car. Evelyn is his ride or die. Till death do they part. But what do I know? Maybe he likes you behind the wheel or the wheel behind you. And she gets up. Sweet Tooth uh, says, he's like, nap time is over. And then he sees that everyone in the yard has been shot in the head. He's like, no, Harold, why'd you shoot everybody? then we see Stuart's like in a target site and he looks up there's like at least like three people in the tower he's like get down he tries pulling like sweet tooth down shots start going off we see Mike's the one who shot so Carl's there and Jamie's brother and uh, like the cop whatever and he's like it's gonna be maggot Thanksgiving down there and Stone's like that's a good one 
And he's like, Carl, Jamie, you and your brother, back with me to base. Mike, get another guy and do double taps on everyone. Collect their weapons and grab the clown's mask. I want it for my wall. So they leave, and then Mike kind of looks concerned. It's like, did he miss on purpose? Does he know he missed? Is, is he sorry that he missed? Or did he, is he, does he think he shot him? So it's like, wait, what's going on? John's like putting, you know, pouring gas into Evelyn. He decides that he's like, oh, he needs a pee because he's hearing, you know, the, the gas go in. Then Mary's there. And he's like, he, she like startles him. He's like, do you mind? And she's like, no. And then she like squats on. I think she starts peeing too. And, and then she's like, what brings you out east? He's like, Pfft. he's like, are you serious? She's like, yeah. He's like, I mean, come on, my job. You know, I can't give you the deets. And she laughs. She's like, John Doe would never leave California. It gets too cold and he doesn't like goose pimples. And John's like, maybe it's, it's a really good job. And she's like, ooh. And he's like, ooh. And she's like, maybe. That, maybe that's why you need a partner. And he's like, no, okay. It's, it's not like I recruited her. She just kind of fell on my lap. And he's like, he's like, I didn't mean it like that. He's like, look, quite save my ass. If it wasn't for her, I'd be road sauce right now. She's like, I've been doing it alone for a while. I seem to be doing fine. And he like scoffs. And she's like, unless you're getting soft. He's like, well, good thing it's my last run. And then he kind of realized that he shouldn't have said that because it definitely got her attention. He's like, uh, it's getting cold out here. I'm going to head in. And she's like, your last run? He's like, huh? She's like, come on, you can tell me. He's like, let's just say I'm going to get what I always wanted. And she's like, no. And he's like, pops his lips. And, and she's it's like, inside? He's like, hmm? Oh? And, and then uh, Quiet like comes out of, of the inside and calls it John. She's like, I thought you want to know, Mistress... Wait, she said Mistress Lane is about to perform. And he's like, it's like, I do not want to miss that. But it's not Mistress Lane later. It's Mistress, whatever. Um, so then at, he's like, he's to Mary, he's like, after a show, I got to get back on the road because New San Francisco awaits. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? She's like, John, John, are you serious? He's like, Jello, Mayor. And he like walks in. So John goes inside, tells Quiet that he's like, oh, you smell like a fresh forest. And she's like, you're drunk. He's like, you're drunk. Uh, plus, I'm drunk. So then then it's like slammed the bartender. He's about to put on his show with the watermelon. So that's why I'm not confused. I'm pretty sure he said, Miss, whatever, whatever. It does not matter. So, and you can see like he's like in his pants. He, he's got like a giant schlong or whatever. So there, you know, there's this watermelon in front of him. People are cheering. And Quiet sees... Uh, they're like, slam, slam, slam. Wyatt sees Whisper marry something to the pizza boy guy. He's like wearing this big like winter coat. Then she goes up to this dude in a cowboy hat, whispers him. Then this other lady, and, and then she tells John, she's like, S-T-F-U. And so they all walk up to John. And Mary's like, oh, gee, Johnny, looks like word got out about your package. Guess you're not the only one trying to get inside New San Francisco, huh? And he's like, you couldn't have waited one minute. And he like points the slam and the watermelon. <laughs> And quiet gives him like, a, are you serious? Look, like he's not mad that she said something. It's just that she didn't wait until, you know, after the performance. Quiet's like, you told her about New San Francisco. What the hell happened to rule number one? And he whispers like, this is why we have rule number two. And then quiet sees that like one dude has a wrench. He's like, you know, hitting his hand. The other guy has a beer bottle. Someone else has like a fork, whatever. And she hisses. She's like, I told you it's a fucking stupid ass rule. And he's like, all right, fine. He's like, okay, there's no need for violence. He's like, I'll give you the package. But who do I give it to, huh? You? How about you? It's like, don't tell me you haven't talked amongst yourself about who's going to get it. You know, who's, you know, getting it is a pretty big prize. Mr. Slam, the bartender, he decides to smash the watermelon. So then watermelon goes flying. People get splattered. This fight starts. 
John tosses, you know, quiet the bag, they're fighting, and then, you know, later she slides it to him across the bar or whatever, you know, she stabs the cowboy dude with, like, a knife or fork or whatever, Mary um, hits this guy that has quiet, and then, you know, she kind of throws quiet to the ground, and then she starts, like, flipping her butterfly knife around, and she's, like, cackling, and then quiet pulls out her hatchet, so I guess she, you know, kept it, like, in her boot or something like that, so they start fighting, you know, around this, like, metal pole and stuff like that, and then John's, like, punches like he's trying to hit pizza boy and he's like why are you wearing such a thick jacket what is jacket made out of because it's not affecting him and then finally he just like punches him in the face starts smashing with whatever's inside the, the bag because i don't think he knows what it is it's like something solid and quiet and mary are still fighting but then mary's blade kind of gets stuck in a wall quiet ends up like on top of her with like the hatchet right up to her throat and mary asks she's like is it just me or is this kind of hot and quiet's like it's kind of hot and then she's like yeah do it. Fudging, do it. Give me another scar. Add it to the pile. And then she kind of like sobs a little bit. And she's like, I would have followed that milkman anywhere. All I had to do was say, come with me. But he didn't. And I suffered because of him. So fudge him. And if he thinks he can waltz up into a better life. And Quiet's like, you know, she's just like looking at her. And she's like, here's a little free advice. Don't let revenge ruin a second chance. So she lets go of like her wrist. She gets up, starts walking away. And then Mary decides to get up, grabs her knife, and like starts going, moving towards Quiet. John yells, behind you! Mary has like the blade overhead. She's about to bring it down. And Quiet like slams a hatchet into her chest. And Mary like groans. And she starts like laughing. And then poof, she plops onto the ground. And John's like, God damn, Mary. Because he's like disappointed in her that you know, she, she couldn't let it go. And he like, puts his arm like on, on Quiet, whatever. Then Slam like peeks up behind the bar. And Quiet's like, hey, Slam. Nice dong move and gives him a thumbs up. At the asylum, Mike and this other guy go down to the body. Like, Mike hears a groan to shoot someone. Then he sees Stu, he runs up to him, and there's like blood on his head. So I guess he got shot in the forehead. He's like, Stu, Stu. He's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, he's crying. He's like, I didn't mean to, man. And then Stu's eyes open up. He sits up. And, and Mike's like, Holy spit, spit. He's like, I thought I killed you, man. And Stu's like, You tried to kill me? He's like, Uh, no. And Stu puts his finger on his forehead and he wipes the, to, to wipe the blood and he like sticks in his mouth. And so maybe it was like, it was probably like P, the PB&J or something like that, right? I don't know. So then he's, you hear Sweet Tooth, he's got the other guy, he's like holding him by the throat. He's like, who did this? Answer me. It's like, those were my people, my fans. And then you hear, and he's like, oops. So he snapped the guy's neck. So then Mike's like on the ground, he's like crawling back. He's like, it was Stone, Stone did this. Sweet Tooth grabs him, you know, he's on the ground, he grabs him by the throat and he starts tries playing. He's like, I, I can help you. And he's like, I know, know where Stu is. And then Stu's like, wait, he's like, Stone hurt you. He can help hurt him back. And Sweet Tooth finally lets go. He's like, you want a pet? Fine, but you clean up after him. Cause we all know what I do to naughty dogs. So Quiet packs something in the trunk. John tosses her keys, he's like, here you drive and she like looks at him like she's surprised he's like at least till i sober up and she smiles so they drive off and then we see a pit viper the the lady she she walks out she has this like big like almost looks it's like is that a remote control she's gonna blow up the car but she's like typing something so then you see on the screen it says from agent x they are letter r they are going to new san fran and it's, it's who's reading the message it's friggin stone he's like huh interesting and then to his two guy, whoever's with, it must be Jamie and I don't know who's with him, whatever. Then he's like, have you ever shot trout in a barrel? He's like, the fun part isn't shooting them, it's trapping them. And boy, howdy, I love a good trap. So, oh my goodness, he, he's just such an annoying character. But 
That's what he's supposed to be. So that was uh, episode six and seven. Uh, there's still three more, um, I, but I, that's all we're going to do for this week. So I, I'm, I'm just enjoying the show. And, uh, yeah, it's just messy. I'm just, I just can't believe that that's how we saw of New Chicago, that we didn't see anything else inside there. But maybe they would save it for later, if, if there is a later, if there's more seasons. So I guess you can't have everything at once. But I'm, I'm enjoying it. Okay, and now, I, I guess the show is just called Ahsoka. It seems weird. Like, I, I don't know if it's, it's like Star Wars Ahsoka. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's just Ahsoka. So uh, they dropped two episodes, and I, I really I, I like the show. And I it really, I, I worry that, you know, if you haven't watched Rebels, I don't know if, if you would like it as much because, you know, there's, mention, there's some you know, strong ties to, you know, that's part of a lot of the history of the characters. And if you haven't watched Rebels, you might not, get it as much i think you could still appreciate it enough but you might you should watch rebels let's just say that i mean it's it's not crucial but it will definitely en- enhance the show so I, I i thought it was really cool so first episode uh part one master and apprentice uh it, there's like some scrolling stuff the evil galactic empire has fallen and a new republic has risen to take its place however sinister agents are already at work to undermine the fragile peace a plot is underway to find a lost imperial grand admiral thrawn and bring him out of exile once presumed dead rumors are sp- spreading of thrawn's return which would galvanize the imperial remnants and start another war former jedi ahsoka tano captured one of thrawn's allies and learned of a secret map which is vital to the enemy's plan. Ahsoka now searches for the map as her prisoner, Morgan Elsbeth, is transported to the New Republic for trial. So we see this uh, big, like, Republic ship. Uh, this other ship's, like, approaching. The, the, the captain's, like, very calm about this, and he's, like, asks the comms guy, comms guy, he's, like, ask for the clearance code and, you know, stuff like that. Then the comms guy's, like, uh, they're Jedi. The signal, it's an old Jedi clearance code. And they, they say they're here to see the prisoner. Then this, uh, like, first officer or whatever comes up and she says, Captain, who are they? And he's, he's like, I'm calling their bluff. He's like, signal them to come aboard. I want to meet these Jedi. And then he's like, he's like, alert the security team. So he goes to the hangar. He's, like, standing in front of the ship. That, you know, walkway thing goes down. It's two cloaked figures come, come out. There's, like, a, a male and a female Jedi. The, the dude... Uh, it's Ray Stevenson, which I, I was like, he looks so familiar. I realized this, you know, after, you know, that a bit, he thanks him for letting them come aboard. Captain, he's like, Captain Hale. He's like, if you don't mind me saying, it's quite a surprise meeting Jedi out here. And he's like, our master remains a mystery to most Captain Hale. He's like, I bet it does. You put on a good show, but I don't buy it. He's like, I don't understand. He's like, you're no Jedi, just some overconfident Imperial trash who just pushed her luck too far. And the guy's like, you're making a mistake. And you, sir, should have surrendered when the Empire collapsed. He asked one of his men to have an astromech droid scan them for identification. And he's like, allow me to show you our identification. They both put out red lightsabers, start slicing away at the security team. The dude tells, uh, the, the, the Jedi dude tells the captain, you are right about one thing, captain. We are no Jedi. <laughs> Impales him with his lightsaber. The first officer is like on the bridge. She's told that the captain is dead, so it was half the security detail. And she's like, "How many targets are there?" They're like two. So then uh, the woman, whatever, she has like a braid. So I was like, is she like you know master and apprentice? So she must be an apprentice, she's like a padawan type of thing. But I don't know if they're Sith. They're just what you know. What we don't know yet. 
So she, then she's at the bridge door, and then the first officer starts shooting. She blocks him with the shots, whatever. Slice, slice, slice. They're dead. So the dude is slicing away at a wall, walks up to a prison door, opens it, you know, with the force. There's this woman inside. He takes off his hood, and she's like, she stands, and, you know, he, he takes off her binds, whatever. And she's like, Balon, you are true to your word. The Jedi who captured me seek the map. She knows about Thrawn. And he's like, who is this Jedi? And she's like, Ahsoka Tano. So then on uh, planet, we see Ahsoka is like walking. There's like these big pillars or what, whatever. It's like temple ruins or something. Then she takes out both lightsabers, spins uh, like uh, spins them around on the ground, like makes like a circular hole. It, the floor drops down. She's, she's down there like a level below. She's looking at these. There's like these drawings and uh, carvings on a wall. And there's like, you know, hooded folks holding like these orbs. And they're kind of like shiny orbs or whatever. Then there's like this cylindrical half pillar. So she kind of like looks at it, kind of listens, whatever, spins some parts. It's kind of like a puzzle, whatever. And then she goes, this other lines it up. And uh, the orbs are starting to like glow from like sunlight. It's like something out of like Indiana Jones. Like what would you like, like was it Temple of the Raiders of the Lost Ark? One of them. And so then there's like this loud click when they're all lined up. So the, the pillars, the three pillars go down and this other one like rises up in the center. And there's like this object on it she kind of there's like this black block she touches it and it starts to kind of crumble and then there's an orb inside the block of whatever she calls a huang uh if you you know who he is on on her comm and she's like i found it and he's he says that he can't hear her and he it's like it's cut he's cutting out the signal's cutting out and then she leaps up through the hole there's like someone up there while holding a staff and it's it's like is it at a droid like a assassin droid or something they like kind of stare at each other then it comes forward and she takes out a lightsaber. She's like, come no closer. And then he's like, the map, give it to us. And she's like, us? Then she sees there's another one to the left. There's a third one to the right and, you know, whatever. She takes out her other lightsaber. So there's like four droids surrounding her plus the one dude, like just like off in front of her. They have like vibro staffs, whatever. They're like staffs. So the, the four start moving towards her. She jumps back down the hole. And then starts making more holes underneath the droids and bringing them down. One starts like shooting down. She leaps up. She takes it out and you know, slices it in half. The final one, she like chops its its, its head off and decapitates it. And then it the, the head's like initiate self destruct protocol. So Ahsoka's running. She calls a Huang, and she you know he's like approaching now. She tells him to keep keep flying because he's like, where do you want me to land? And she's like, keep flying, lower the ramp. She, the, the explosion goes off and it starts like, like it's this massive explosion. It's just like overtaking like everything. So she like jumps up, makes it in the ship just as like the entire landscape is just like decimated in the cockpit. So Huang's like, he's like a droid. He's like, good thing I arrived when I did. And she's like, about that, where were you? I was keeping the ship a safe distance. And she's like, if you hadn't kept it at such a, a safe distance, maybe you wouldn't have lost communication. So he's like, I was just following standard Jedi mission protocol. So she's like, Huang, the order doesn't exist anymore. Nonetheless, I have my programming. So she's like, next time, stay close. Watch my back. That is a job of a Jedi Padawan learner, which I am not. So he's like a Jedi, whatever, training droid. And he's like, anyway, or she's like, anyways, I found it, the map, right where Morgan said it would be. How did you get her to tell the truth? Ahsoka's like, let's just say I didn't follow standard Jedi protocol. So then, uh, you know, they get a message. Fleet command calls Fulcrum. This is Home One. So Fulcrum, you may know that that was her her code name before or whatever. Do you copy? Over. Huang answers. He's 
they, they say that there's been an incident. So they arrive at home one, whatever. They're cleared to land. She's greeted by General Sindula. So you remember Hera from, from Rebels. And she's like, oh, it's good to see you. And she tells Ahsoka that they lost her prisoner. And, you know, she prepared a briefing to get her caught up. So she tells Ahsoka to, you know, they, they took out entire security detail and they scuttled one of their new starships. And, you know, she's like, who are they? So Ahsoka's like looking at like the, the holo video scan or whatever. She's like, I don't know. So Hera's like, they seem to have abilities like you. And Ahsoka's like, these days, there are few who can you know, wield the force. Huang says, perhaps one of them was once a Jedi. Ahsoka's like, possibly. She's like, Huang, make a copy of this recording and run a match on their lightsabers. So Hera's like, what's their connection to Morgan Elspeth? Ahsoka says, I have known her to hire mercenaries in the past. And Hera says that, you know, they vanished without a trace. Ahsoka says, well, the day wasn't a total loss. And she shows her the, the orb. And Hera's like, a star map? Ahsoka's like, not just any map. This one holds the secret of Morgan's, you know, the Morgan's after. And Hera's like, which is? Ahsoka's like, the location of the last missing Imperial Grand Admiral, Thrawn. Hera's like, that's not possible. Thrawn died at the Battle of, of Lothal. Lothal? 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 I think it's Lothal. Like, his... Ahsoka's like, his death was never confirmed. I started hearing rumors of his return, which led me to Morgan. You know, she was a great ally of Thrawn's during the Imperial rule. She knows something. Hera's like, if Thrawn survived, does that mean Ezra? And Ahsoka's like, I hope so. Nothing is certain except our enemies believe that they know where to look. So Hera's like, okay, let's take a look at the map. Hoang's like, we cannot show you the map. The device is locked and the key to activating it has eluded me. And Hera's like, it's never a straight line with you, Jedi, is it? Then Hera's like told that the Defense Council is requesting an update on the incident. And Hera's like, you know who could help you with this? Ahsoka's like, I do. And Hera's like, well? Ahsoka says, I'm not sure she'll want to help. And Hera's like, she'll do it for Ezra. So there's like this celebration on a planet and this governor dude, he's like, it's, it's uh, Clancy Brown. He's like, on this day, several years ago, the empire was defeated thanks to the heroic efforts of Commander Ezra Bridger, who sacrificed himself to liberate our world. This monument we dedicate here today stands in recognition of Commander Bridger and the rebel leaders who fought so valiantly on our behalf. May their courage and commitment never be forgotten. Here to say a few words is one of those rebel leaders, Commander Sabine Wren. There's like microphone feedback. She's not there. So the dude, you know, Clancy Brown, he like, Sabine Wren, he repeats her name. And then he goes up to this guy. He's like, where is she? And he's like, she was just here. And Clancy Brown, he tells the guy, he's a senator. He's like, well, say something to cover for me. So Senator Jai Kel and then Clancy Brown calls. He's like, I want a full security suite, Sabine Wren. Then you see a speeder bike is cruising down this road, you know, top speed. It's Sabine. Two starships, like, find her. And they call down to the guy. It's like, Governor Azadi is, like, looking for you. And she's like, oh, was that today? He says that, you know, he's like, I have my orders. And he's like, I need to tell you to pull over. And she's like, well, I have a new order. Get lost. The other ship, like, speeds up ahead of her and comes down on the road to, like, block it. Sabine just, like, accelerates it. The dude, like, tells her, like, stand down. The other pilot's like, you know, she's got a cockpit open. She's kind of concerned. She's like, she's crazy. Then Sabine's going, going faster. She kind of lowers the bike and it skids on the pavement a little bit. She slides under the ship. And the first dude kind of admires her, her moves, whatever. And he's like, lets her go. 
and Sabine just like she arrives at her place. So it's a tower place where I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't watched Rebels, and you know, it's been a while, but it's pretty sure so where, where Ezra lived in the beginning. I don't know if they ever came back. I don't remember that. She has like this cat creature waiting for her. She feeds it. We get a shot of her, like her, her Mando helmets, like in the sack, like under work table. So I don't think she's been wearing it. She opens up this case. There's like some stuff in there. There's like a little, uh, like hollow disc of like Ezra. So there's a message. He's like, you know, sorry for disappearing on, on you. He's like, I made this recording because more than the others, I need you to understand as a Jedi, sometimes you have to make the decisions no one else can. So that's what I did to defeat Thrawn. It's like, we've been through a lot. We grew up together in this rebellion. We're not really family, but you're like a sister to me. It's like, I know your fight isn't over, and now I won't be there to help you, but I'm counting on you to see this through. May the force be with you. So then we see that, that Sith lady, she walks on like the charred temple planet, and she's like, what it, was this place? And then the, as Elspeth, whatever, Morgan, she's like, an ancient temple built by my ancestors, the Night Sisters of Dathomir, which again was mentioned, was seen in Rebels. So that the late the Jedi or that the Sith, whatever, she's like, You're a witch? And Elspeth's like, a survivor. So the the dude comes up, there's not much left back there. Either the Jedi has the map or it was vaporized. She's like, she has it. He's like, Well, if you if she does, you're lucky. Luck has nothing to do with it. Fate has decided our next move. And she looks at the lady Padawan or whatever. Send this one to the planet Loth Lothal Lothal. <laughs> And she's like, master? And she's like, he's like, do as she says. And then, she, you know, because uh, Elspeth like walks away. She's like, why Lothal, Lothal? I don't know why I, I can never say what, I don't know. And she's like, what thread is she spinning? He's like, no, it's not a witchcraft. Ahsoka Tano's former apprentice, apprentice is on Lothal. You're looking for Sabine Wren. So Sabine's lying like on a cot. She's haunted by like Ezra's words and she wakes up with a gasp and she's, there's like a light flashing on a screen Two like uh, ships fly. There's like two X-wings and um, Ahsoka ship, which I think is, I'm pretty sure it's a ghost ship that, that, um, that they've, they flew in before. Sabine uh, arrives where Ahsoka ship is docked. The governor dude's there and he's like, oh, you, you missed a ceremony. And she's like, was that yesterday? It slipped my mind. And he's like, you were Miss Sabine. Everyone was there. She's like, not everyone. Then Huang's like, greetings, Sabine Wren. And she's like, hello, Huang. Still in one piece? Oh, yes. And still 75% original parts. Ahsoka's just like standing there quietly. Then Huang's like, I'll be on the ship. Then the governor like leans in Sabine. You're going to want to hear what she has to say. So the two are alone, kind of almost like glaring at each other. Just awkward silence. Ahsoka finally moves closer, holds up the orb and says, I think I know how to find Ezra. And then Sabine like takes the, the orb. So now they're on the ship. She's like looking at the, the old familiar settings. She sees like some of her like artwork in like a bunk or whatever. And she's like, you really think Ezra's out there? Ahsoka says, you know, nothing is certain. However, our enemy is actively seeking Thrawn, which is what led me to the map. And she's like, where'd you find this? Ahsoka says, on a world named Arcana. It was a stronghold for the witches of Dathomir thousands of years ago. So she's like, witches, great. This is getting more exciting by the minute. And she's like, I take these patterns have meanings. So it's like, you have the artist's eye. Tell me what you see. Sabine looks, she's like, well, no one would design a map you couldn't read. There must be a key or codex of some sort. Soka shows her a scan that Hoang took at a temple and Sabine stares and she's like, so where do you call home these days? So it's like, this ship serves me fine. 
And Sabine's like, still? Don't you ever get tired of moving from one place to another? I go where I'm needed. And Sabine's like, not always. So it's like, you never make things easy. And Sabine's like, why should I? You, you, you know, never made things easy for me, master. Ahsoka sighs. Ahsoka does a lot of sighing. It's like, there's nothing easy about being a Jedi. Well, then I should have made a good one. And Ahsoka's like, yes, sighs again. You should have. Wayne comes in with an update and Ahsoka's like, not, not, right, not right now. And Sabine's like, no, go ahead. So she also says, she's like, I'm going to need that scan. And, you know, can I take the orb? Ahsoka's like, where are you going? And she's like, somewhere where I can think more clearly. Ahsoka's like, I'm not sure that's a good idea. And Sabine's like, why? Ahsoka's like, this isn't just about finding Ezra. It's about preventing another war. And Sabine's like, you think I don't know that? Ahsoka's like, the map stays here. And Sabine's like, okay. So Wang says he ran analysis on the lightsabers. The image was corrupted, but using my extensive database, I was able to reconstruct the details of the two hilts. They are quite elegant with several classic design motifs. And Ahsoka's like, this is all very fascinating, but do you have any names? Patience, this is where it gets interesting. The construction and overall design are executed exactly the way I taught younglings to build a lightsaber at the temple. Ahsoka says, so definitely Jedi trained. And he's like, yes. However, this one I do not recognize. But this one, in the last 500 years, I've only known one student who built a saber such as this, Balan Skull. He disappeared at the end of the Clone Wars. And that's what uh, the, what's her name, the witch called him. Like, you know, he's disappeared at the end of the Clone Wars, like so many Jedi. So Ahsoka's like, a master and apprentice. That would be my assumption. If both trained in the Jedi arts, they will be formidable adversaries for you alone. Of course, you may not be alone for much longer. So she sighs again. Maybe. Thank you, Huang. So then she walks into the other room. Sabine, you're going to want to hear... Sabine's gone. Like the table's like, like put away. She's like not on the ship. We see Sabine's driving her speeder bike back to her place. And then this probe droid spots her. And it returns to like the Padawan or whatever, the apprentice. And then uh, she has like two attack droids like, or assassin droids with her. So Sabine returns home. She has uh, the orb, and you know she she puts it on on the scan. She looks at the design of the orb, compares them. It's like she has some cards or whatever. Ahsoka talks to Hera over like the holo whatever. She says that she's like, I'm not sure coming here was a good idea, and like she took the map off the ship when I explicitly told her not to. Hera's like, maybe she just needed you know some space to think. I just don't understand why things have to be so difficult. Hera's like, well, considering your history, I think it's to be expected. But you and I both know Sabine gives you the best chance of reading that map. Ahsoka's like, you're right. I just wish she had changed a little. She's just as stubborn and bullish as ever. Hera's like, she's Mandalorian. You knew what you were getting into. Ahsoka's like, I thought I did. Things didn't turn out the way either of us wanted. Hera's like, mentoring someone is challenging. I bet your master you know, found you difficult at times. Ahsoka, like, she's quiet for a sec. And she's like, Anakin never got to finish my training. Before the end of the Clone Wars, I walked away from him and a Jedi, just like I walked away from Sabine. Era's like, I, I'm sure you had your reason. Ahsoka's like, sometimes even the right reasons have the wrong consequences. What do we do then? So Sabine's still staring at the orb. She's like working. She tells her cat, you know, it's, it's no help. Uh, you know, she gets up, gets, takes a drink or something, looks at the scan. Um, you know, three figures, you know, three faces, whatever things. And then she's, it's something starts to click. 
she makes some adjustments some adjustments to the scan and like the, the, the top level kind of like disappears so she's looking at whatever was on the floor uh, inside the temple she starts like turning parts into orb to line them up to look at this like same pattern like whatever it starts glowing and then it floats and then it's making like a star system map and she's like this is it so you know there's like all these stars showing up she looks outside with binoculars to try to see like where i guess where it lines up and she's like i think i'm going on a trip her cat's out there then her cat hisses a droid starts shooting at her she like leaps out because it's like behind her she dodges she jumps at it attacks it she disarms it the second one comes grabs her from behind and then that the first one takes the orb and then she and then destroys like the scan like shoots the table like shoots the computer she uh she's so the, the droid that has her she's like reaching because there's like a blaster on his back she finally grabs it off his its back shoots at it she gets free she chases after the first one but it gets into like an elevator to go down and she calls a huang she's like i need backup now huang tells ahsoka because she's still talking to Hera. she's like we have a problem sabine goes back to her room she grabs i was like is she gonna grab her helmet no she goes in the box she grabs a lightsaber it looks like so outside at the ground level the apprentice the droid it goes up to the apprentice and she says that she's like we've been looking for this and sabine's like that's too bad turns on her lightsaber so this the apprentice lady hands the orb over to the droid turns on her lightsaber um sabine's lightsaber is green by the way in case you're wondering so we got green and red then you know she stands there sabine's like moving closer and then you know moving and then she attacks first blocks it um ahsoka starts up the ship the apprentice sees it. It almost seems like she's like kind of going easy on her because you know uh, I don't recall how much training Sabine has had, and I don't know if we, if we know. I don't know how much. I don't remember how. Much, I'm trying to remember like how did the episode end and when did this happen. But anyways, so they're fighting. Um, then Ahsoka's like there. You know they're they're getting closer. She sees them. So and then Sabine gets impaled. And she kind of stands her ground for him, you know, like on her knee, or whatever. Then the, the apprentice sees it, like Ahsoka's coming, and she's like, "What's the point? She's got the orb already." So they leave, and then Sabine just like falls over. So it's like, "Holy crap!" And see, this is why, if this would have been like only the only episode that aired, that would be like a crazy cliffhanger. Because it's like, what happens after it? Is Sabine? Did they really kill Sabine off in one episode? She's somehow going to survive. Can you survive from an impalement? You know, does it depend on where exactly you get stabbed? If you get stabbed in any vital organs or what? So that was the end of episode one. Okay, then um, episode two, uh, part two, toil and trouble. So one of the things that, which I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't really get into the whole thing. So what I realized is, you know, so I, I've watched, I'm like really sure I watch all of Rebels. And I'm trying to remember how it ended. Because I remember when Thrawn was in and Ezra and all this stuff. But I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. You know, we, we have this stuff going on with between Sabine and Ahsoka, I honestly can't remember. It's like, was there ever any training involved? Or is this something that happened after Rebels ended and, you know, between Rebels and now? Because, you know, they're, obviously there's like, they've had this falling out. And I'm, I'm trying to remember if all that. But then the thing is, which I, you know, I didn't mention, like the lightsaber that she's using, you know, that was, that was Ezra's lightsaber. But, you know, uh, what's also, what's mentioned again in the second episode is that it was, uh, you know, Sabine modified it a little bit. And, you know, so that's what she was using. So anyways, so uh, yeah, it's crazy. And I, I, so when I watched that first episode before I started this, this episode, I'm just like, there's, you can't kill you can't kill sabine and it's like if you kill sabine where's a desk for me to flip over and what 
you know, thinking about that, you know, when when this episode started and they did the recap, because I usually skip over recaps, but it was it's interesting, and I still don't know much about this apprentice. You know, in the second episode, you know, we don't get a full lot of detail. But you know, seeing it play again when she stabs her, she pulls it out cleanly. You know, because it would have been a lot worse if she stabbed her and it went to the side, and then just like you know, or went the other way because she didn't quite get her dead center you know she didn't stab her dead center in the middle so the whole thing is did she miss vital organs you know is is it possible to survive this because we've seen what was it like qui-gon got got impaled and then he died but maybe it was just the wrong organ i don't i don't know i i still wonder it's like was this apprentice it, it I don't know if she was toying with Sabine or Sabine was that good or maybe the apprentice wasn't that good. But I would think this apprentice, because of her Bailon, Bailon, he seems like he'd be, I mean, maybe he's not the best teacher either. I mean, I, I really don't know. We don't know much about it. Anyways, episode two, we see Ahsoka. She's standing in this bright room and she's thinking about, like, it's like she's, she's hearing, I don't know if she's hearing Sabine's word. Does Ahsoka have some sort of like precognitive, you know, force abilities? Is she, I'm trying to remember if that was a thing. And I, I'm, I'm, to, I'm promise you, I watched Clone Wars and, and Rebels, but I, now I feel like it's like, do I not, is there stuff I don't know? But anyways, cause you know, it, it's like, do you think Ezra's really still out there? You know, we're hearing that memory. And it's almost like Sabine's dreaming because then there's like Ezra saying that it's up to Sabine now, whatever. And we see she's laying in a bed. And so I was, I was like, is Ahsoka meditating? Who, what's going on? Because it seems like she's hearing Sabine's thoughts. Um, she finally goes up to Sabine, and, and then Sabine wakes up, and she kind of groans. You see there's like a medical, like a 2-1-B droid in there, and Huang's there. So Sabine gathers her bearings, and she's like, the droids, they, they took the map. And she tries getting up, but Ahsoka tells her to relax. And you know, she's like, you don't understand. She's like, I, I unlocked it. And then Ahsoka looks, looks at Huang, and you know there were... Two, she's like, there's two galaxies and a pathway appeared between them. So Soka's like, where did that path in our galaxy begin? You know, what planet? And she's like, they took the map before I could decipher it. So Ahsoka, what she do? She sighs. She's like Sai McSyerson. She's sighing all the time. Did you keep a record of what you found? And she's like, the droids destroyed it. So Ahsoka stands there and like thinks. And then she's like, how many droids were there? And she's like, two. I took one out. So Ahsoka starts to leave and Sabine like calls after and, you know, and then Ahsoka's just like, get some rest. And she's like, wait, you need my help. And she's like, no, you've done enough. And she just walks out of the room. It's like, okay, Ahsoka's like being such a jerk. It's like, okay, this may be your show, but how about a little compassion? So we see this like Imperial shuttle type craft land on this uh, sort of like ocean cliff planet. It's like, there's this crop it's almost like a stone circle kind of like like a stonehenge type of thing but you know different racks so Baylan and his apprentice uh which we find out her name what was her name shin i i had to look up her name i don't think her name is mentioned this this episode but i keep calling her an apprentice whatever because like what is her name she's not a padawan she kind of is he takes that orb like map thing to the center he p- puts it sort of like in this pedestal thing it kind of moves up like and kind of locks into place then he tells uh, his uh, his apprentice contact morgan oh and the other thing which i i didn't mention uh, so bayland is is ray stevenson i should totally mention that because there is even like a thing for ray and and when i when i saw that because at first i didn't realize it was him and i was like oh that's ray stevenson that's cool but then like after i was uh, i was watching that you know, i was thinking about it i was like 
wait, didn't he unfortunately pass away? And he did. So um, he, he's got this like presence to him. It's like, you know, he's, he's a really intriguing character. So he, he tells uh, his apprentice, like, contact Morgan, that Elspeth witch lady. He's like, tell her, I believe we have located the reflex point on Cetos. So that's the planet they're on. Ahsoka returns to Sabine's uh, place, you know, Ezra's old place, whatever. Looks around. Uh, I think she's trying to pick up vibes, whatever. She hears, we've been looking for that. And then Sabine's like, too bad. So again, she, I think she, she has whatever, just force ability. And then she like hears lightsabers clashing. She looks at like Sabine's speeder. She goes up to the tower. The cat thing's there. She kneels to it, whatever. It purrs. And she goes inside. She looks around. She sees like Ezra's holo, like hologram thing. She smiles, and then the cat hisses. Thank goodness for this cat. This is the second time the cat like warns someone. A droid drops drops down behind Ahsoka. So I guess it's been there waiting. She strikes it down, and it kind of falls apart. And she's like, "I was hoping you were still here." At the because when when she asked Sabine how many droids there were, I was almost like, "Is she trying to find out like how many she had to fight off? Like was it impressive or not?" But I guess that's not her reason. So back at the hospital place, Sabine's like looking at the droid head and she's like, well, as long as you didn't short out its capacitors when you slice it up, I should be able to work with it. Holo um, Hera, Harrison Dula is there too. And Ahsoka's like, are you sure you're up for this? And, and she's like, well, like me, this kind of droid is incredibly resilient. Take off an arm or a leg and it just keeps coming. And she's like, that means that they have several built-in backup systems. And as a result... And Huang's like, its memory core stays partially active even after termination. And then Sabine's like, and if you get the power levels right, you can recover the droid's memory. Huang's like, and find out where it came from. Very clever. Hera asks, she's like, well, what if you get the power levels wrong? And Sabine's like, well, the head will explode. And Huang's like, explode? <laughs> Sabine's like, calm your circuits. She's like, I can pull the plug before it gets to that. Perhaps we should perform this somewhere else. And Hera's like, I say go for it. <laughs> and Huang's like, because you're a hologram. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, go ahead and do it. You know, I'm not worried about it exploding because she's like nowhere near there. And then Ahsoka's like, there's no time to relocate. She's like, we're falling behind as it is. So then holding up this you know, wire, uh, Sabine's like, it's now or never. So Ahsoka's like, now. And she's like, okay, here we go. And then Huang's like, the circuit temperature is rising. Ahsoka's like, anything? Sabine fiddles with this device and there's like distorted droid chattering. So, and Sabine's like, it's encrypted. She's like, I need a minute. And, you know, the head starts sparking a bit. And <laughs> Soka's like, I'm not sure we have a minute. And Huang's like, it's overheating. Switch it off. And Sabine's like, not yet. You know, there's more sparks. And he's like, we're out of time. I'm pulling the plug. And she's like, no, wait. And then he pulls it. So Sabine stares at the device. And Soka's like, what is it? She's like, the droid came from Corellia. And Hera's like, the New Republic shipyard? So Ahsoka's like, Morgan Elspeth had factories on Corellia. And Hera's like, her imperial operations should have been dismantled after the rebellion. Ahsoka's like, anyone check on that? And then Hera's like, I'll meet you there. And Sabine's like, okay, let's get going. And she's like, no, you need to recover. Ahsoka says that. She's like, I'm fine. And Ahsoka like just walks out of the room. And so Hera kind of like motions a Huang to give them a moment. And she's like, hey, you did good. And she's like, tell that to her. She's like, I do but she's not the one who needs to hear it right now. And then, then Sabine sighs. She's like, I haven't seen her in years, and the first thing I do goes sideways. Hera's like, you're both difficult. I always thought that made it work. And then Sabine's like, until it didn't. And Hera's like, still, you need to help each other. And Sabine's like, you heard her. You know, she doesn't want my help. And Hera's like, 
Yeah, she does. Now get some rest. You're going to need it. And then she's like, thanks, Hera. And she's like, anytime. So we see Elsbeth Morgan. She arrives at the stone circle thing. And she's like, show me what you found. And it's it's weird because at first I wasn't like taking her like seriously, but I guess you know she has a, some level of power, and and it's weird that how she's talking down to uh, Balin, you know, because he's whatever a Sith or you know whatever he is. I was like, how can he talk to him? But I guess she hired him, so whatever. So she's basically his boss, and so and she's like, show me what you found, and you know she looks at the orb thing and smiles. And he's like, this place was not built by the Jedi. Whose work is it? And she's like, an ancient people from a distant galaxy. Would you like to see it? And he like nods. And she sort of like waves her hand over the orb thing and then like puts one finger down like above it. The screen light like underneath, you know, lights up and it sort of rises up and floats. And it's, it starts to show like the galaxy. She's like, this is our galaxy. And the lights go all like all around them and there's like stars and she kind of rotates it around and this beam shoots up to like this other cluster. She's like, that is our destination where Grand Admiral Thrawn is banished. And he's like, pathway to Peridia. And she's like, some call it that. And he's like, the children at the Jedi Temple call it that. It comes from old stories, fairy tales. And she's like, tales which are based on truth. And he's like, you're certain of this? I feel the path forward is clouded. She closes her eyes and there's like whisper. She's like, you know, whispered voices say her name or something like that. She's like, Thrawn calls out, calls to me across time and space. And he's like, you speak of dreams, vague and fractured hopes. The threads of fate do not lie. And then she turns off the, the orb thing. The eye of Scion is on its way here. Make sure that everything is ready for its arrival. So I think the eye of Scion is like a ship. And then he's like, Morak will complete his task. And then she leaves. And then his apprentice, so Shin, whatever, she's like, Master? It's like, what happens when we find Thrawn? He's like, for some, war. For others, a new beginning. And she's like, and for us? He's like, power, such as you've never dreamed. And then he's like, go to Corellia. Assist Marak with the final transport. And she's like, yes, Master. So uh, do we know who Mar- Marak is? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we do. Anyways. Uh, Ahsoka's ship arrives at Corellia. She walks up to Hera, and Hera introduces her to this, this dude, Min Weaver. He's a regional supervisor. He says that he was just saying that when the Empire fell, all Imperial assets were dissolved and redistributed, including those held by Morgan Elsbeth. And Ahsoka says that they'd still would appreciate a look at her former facilities and operations. And then this dude, he's like, well, I am quite busy at the moment. The Hera's like, well, I could make this a more formal inspection if you'd like and he's like that won't be necessary general please this way and chopper is like s- still sitting in Harris ship and he's like chattering at them and everything and he's he's so, so sassy he's got such a such an attitude which is what makes him funny and great so then weaver you know sort of like on his transfer thing going you know around and he says that this facility provided material for hyperdrive generators for imperial class star destroyers and now we're taking them apart and using the cores to power new ships in a defense fleet. Ahsoka's like, do any of the facilities still employ any of her former staff? He's like, of course. There was no other way to remain operational. An empire doesn't just become a republic overnight. You will still find ex-imperials at every level of the new republic government. And Era's like, don't you worry about their loyalty? And he's like, not at all. The average worker doesn't care about the nuances of galactic politics. They have loyalties as long as they're paid. And Hera's like, and you? He's like, I'm a businessman, General. He's like, my loyalty is to my investors. I'll leave the, the politics to you. 
So then they ride more to facility. Then Hera says to Ahsoka, she's like, looks like connecting with Sabine paid off. And then Ahsoka's like, until she lost a map. And Hera's like, well, at least she unlocked it. Hera, Ahsoka's like, which doesn't do us a lot of good if we don't have it. Then Hera's like, she got us here. And then Ahsoka's like, what are you getting at? So Hera's like, I was wondering if you would consider bringing her back on as your apprentice. And Ahsoka's like, mm, maybe we're both past that. Hera says, I think she could use some structure. So could you. And Ahsoka's like, she's not ready. And then Hera's like, I'm curious, what makes someone ready? You just know. So do they. So Sabine's bandage is removed and she has like this red circle scar. It almost looks like a, like a, like a car lighter burn, you know, cigarette lighter burn. And Huang walks in. He's like, I heard your repair, repairs were complete. Oh, so Huang, which I don't, did I mention there's David Tennant doing the voice, which is, is awesome. So he's like, I you heard your repairs were complete. And then he's, he doesn't say anything. He's like, ah, I see you still have your lightsaber. And she's like, Ezra's lightsaber. And then Huang's like, because, you know, Huang was this, like, you know, Jedi droid training thing, whatever. He's like, true, he constructed it. And by all accounts, it served him well. Then he passed it on to you. You have since made your own modifications. So it is now your lightsaber. And she's like, for all the good it did me, which she did pretty well, considering. And that's what makes me wonder is like, how much training has she had? Then he's like, have you kept up with your training? And she's like, obviously not. He's like, well, perhaps it is time to begin again. And Sabine's like, I don't think that's up to me. Really? Explain. Sabine's like, I can't train if Ahsoka doesn't want to teach me. That is an excuse and a poor one. And Sabine's like, hey, she quit on me. The past is the past. Move forward. Sabine's like, okay, but answer this. If you could have unlocked the map yourself, would Ahsoka have, have come here? Irrelevant. And Sabine's like, very relevant. Was I part of the plan? Was she going to tell me about Ezra? Or was this little reunion Hera's idea? And Huang's like, General Sindula thought your insights would be valuable. And Lady Tano agreed. And she's like, see, she doesn't want me back. She wasn't even thinking about me. To be fair, you have never indicated you wanted to come back. She sighs. She's like, forgot how annoying you are. Logical. It doesn't matter. She's like, I never had the talent, the abilities, not like Ezra. That much is true. <laughs> and her jaw kind of drops a little. And she's like, thanks. I have known many Padawans over the centuries, and I can safely say your aptitude for the Force would fall short of them all. And she's just like, again, you know, it's, it's like insulting, but it's the truth. She's like, well, then I won't waste any more of her time. The only time you are wasting is your own. And he holds out the lightsaber, for, and then she takes it. So Weaver, this dude, he brings Ahsoka and Hera to like the control center where they keep track of the entire inventory being created from dismantled Imperial fleet, whatever. Hera sees this uh, hyperdrive core like out the window and she like, you know, she asks about it. The dude's like, it's being refurbished and is ready for a new life serving the Republic. Hera's like, the new Republic defense fleet isn't building anything that big. She's like, what class of starship are they for? He looks on a like uh, tablet. He's like, uh, let's see. And he's like, oh, there it is classified and Hera's like classified i'm a general nothing's classified to me then he's like i'm sorry i cannot unseal a document without authorization and she's like well then i'm authorizing it he's like i'm not sure you can and then like smiling she's like want to bet he he kind of look, looks at ahsoka who just like kind of crosses her arms and he calls a protocol droid over like to help so ahsoka asks like what other droids do they have in operation so he lists a bunch and she's like no hk class he's like assassin droids and he like, chuckles 
He's like, I should think not. Hera's like, not even repurposed, you know, to stay on schedule. He's like, no, I'm sorry. Then his protocol, the protocol droid talks. I have seen such a droid. I catalog inventory on arriving transport. An HK class droid recently prevented me from completing this task. And Ahsoka's like, when was this? Five rotations ago. And then the dude, the whatever, Mern Weaver, he's like, why did you log a report? Then the droid's like, the droid carried a high-level security clearance. I could not object. So Ahsoka's like, well, where is this droid now? I believe it is departing on that transport. So the ship is starting to take off. Hera's like, stop that ship. And a worker's like, I can't do that, General. You know, they've been cleared for departure. And, you know, other workers, and there's like a few other people in this command center room that kind of keep glancing over, which seems kind of suspicious. Like, as soon as this scene started, he's like, why do they keep looking at them? You know, because again, it's this whole thing, what about loyalty, whatever. So then she's like, I said, stop that ship. That's an order. This dude gets up. For the Empire! He's like, try shooting. Ahsoka's lightsabers out right away. Strikes him down. Like, knocks the gun, gun out of his hand. Two other workers start, like, shooting. Hera, like, shoots one of them. Ahsoka uses a force to shove the other one. Then Ahsoka tells Hera to get to, sh- get to the ship. She slashes both, you know, the windows of both lightsabers. Leaps out. You know, does, like, a tumble land. Because they're, you know, a few stories up or whatever. I don't know how far. And she starts running after the ship. But then she stops. Because... There's like an inquisitor, so this must be that Morak guy, which I don't know who that is, and with like one of those like uh, like assassin droids, and the, the inquisitor has his lightsaber out. So Hera tells Chopper to fire up the engines. Ahsoka um, turns on, you know, both her lightsabers. The droid moves, attack. She blocks, and then the other Morak, the other inquisitor, dude, moves at her too. Hera's like she's flying. She sees them, you know, fighting down below, but she's following the, the, the ship that's taken off. She radios the transport and identifies herself, orders them to stand down, return to port immediately. There's no reply. So she repeats that everything. And then there's like two like turrets in the back. They turn towards her, start shooting at her. Chopper's like grumbling and probably cursing and whatever. Ahsoka's like fighting both, you know, the, the droid and the dude. Kicks the dude, impales the droid, briefly uses it as a shield and, until it gets like all chopped up. Then the Inquisitor ignites the other side of his blade because it's like one of those like circular blade things that can spin. Hera's uh, continuing dodging the blast. Chopper apparently t- you know, tells her to shoot it down. But she's like, I can't. He's like, it crashed down into the port city. And she says, just, you know, get a, a tracking device ready. And she's like, and don't miss this time. And he's like, rawr, 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 rawr. so the Inquisitor um, signals, you know, his shuttle, spins his lightsaber, tosses it at Ahsoka. She, like, dodges it, starts running after him as his shuttle approaches. Um, it, it, like, shoots at her as it gets near, and the dude jumps on the ramp. Shin's, like, standing there. It's like, why does she jump down and, like, help? But then, then he calls his lightsaber, which thankfully didn't hit Ahsoka in the back. You know, he catches it, and Ahsoka's just standing there watching him leave because there's nothing she can do. But it's like, okay, how come Ray could use the force to pull a ship down, but Ahsoka can't? I guess, I guess there's different levels, different abilities, what people can do in the force, right? That's why Ahsoka can get this, like, vibe, memory, you know, thing, echo, memory, I don't know what do you want to call it. So the ship's like almost out of the atmosphere. So Chopper throws a tracker on it. It lands. It, it, it attaches. And Hera calls out to tell Ahsoka. So Sabine returns to her place slash Ezra's old place, whatever. Pets her cat. Grabs a bag under her table. Starts like laying out pieces of her Mandalorian armor. Then she pulls out the helmet. Later she kneels in front of the helmet. She's like meditating. Whatever. She takes a blade from her hand. Grabs her hair into like a ponytail. And then whoosh, 
like one chop chops off her hair, which is like, no, <laughs> that's what, that was my reaction. Hera and Ahsoka watch as like workers are being taken away. And Hera asks like, how can he still be loyal to the empire? Uh, Ahsoka's like, it's not loyalty, it's greed. So Hera asks Chopper to keep, you know, about the tracking. It's, so it's, it's hasn't located yet. So he's, you know, keep working on it. Soka gets on a ship. A comm is like beeping. She hits the switch and like turns around. There's a holo display of Sabine. And now she has like super short hair and her armor holding her helmet to her side. She's like, I'm ready. And Ahsoka's ship takes off. Sabine goes to like the rebels mural at the, you know, by where the governor, governor dude, Clancy Brown was, you know, but trying to give a speech she looks at ezra she hears a ship dock walks up to ahsoka and ahsoka's like nice haircut and she's like it's more me and then uh huang's like i have just received a transmission from general Sindula. it appears the transport was traced to the denob system it has remained in orbit around the planet sitos and ahsoka turns to sabine we better get moving so that's her way to say welcome aboard like come on whatever she doesn't yeah so it's like they're so stubborn so calculation not complete you may proceed and then ahsoka's like take us out padawan and sabine kind of like turns her kind of surprised and she hits like the hyperdrive switch the transport ship approaches this uh big ring in, in space it drops off the big huge hyperdrive core that it was carrying Elspeth is on there. Um, there's holos of Balan and Shin and uh, the Morak, the other dude. She says that the installation of the final hyperdrive engine has begun. And she's like, soon the Eye of Cyan will be complete and we shall deliver Grand Admiral Thrawn from his exile in the far galaxy. The appearance of Ahsoka Tano on Corellia troubles me. And, and then um, the dude's like, it does. And Shin's like, we made a clean escape. She couldn't have tracked us here. Um, what she did with the tracking thing. So then, uh, what's her name? Morgan. She's like, Balan, what do you see? And he's like, she's coming. And she's like, nothing can prevent our journey. So Balan's like, to kill her will be a shame. There are so few Jedi left. And she's like, sentimental. And he's like, truth. And that's the end of the second episode. So it's off to a good start. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm digging it. It's, you know, I, I love Ahsoka. I wasn't super crazy about her when she first appeared in Clone Wars. I you know, found her a little annoying and stuff like that. But that was just, you know, who, she was young. She, you know, she definitely, like, matured, evolved, and everything like that. And she's, she's a badass character. When she appeared live action in Mandalorian, it was cool and everything. You know, she, it, was, it, was, it was cool. You know, she did some cool stuff. But I just wasn't, I don't know. I wasn't like super crazy and I wasn't like, Oh, she's got her own show. Okay. That's, that's cool. Fine. But now I don't know if maybe because it's not just an Ahsoka show. It's, this is basically star Wars rebels, you know, continued, you know, season four, whatever, how many seasons were there. So it's, it's just, I, I'm, I'm really digging it. And if it was just Ahsoka, it would probably still be cool. But I love, I, I always thought Sabine was a cool character and Hera, you know, I hope we get more Hera, but I feel like Hera is going to be more tied up with, you know, being a general and whatever, you know, more official channel stuff. She can't just go off. But if we're bringing back Thrawn, you know, this is a huge deal. So we'll see, but I'm, I'm really digging the show. All right, and now the movie feature is Grand Turismo, based on a true story. <laughs> that, 
I, I swear, I, I I forget where it was. If it was like a Rotten Tomato or something like that. When I was like, what's the score of this? And I think that's how they have it listed. Gran Turismo colon based on a true story. But I was like, there's no way that's the, that's the, the real title of it. And uh, looking like on Wikipedia or um, INDB, it's just Gran Turismo. So here's the thing. I was unaware that this was actually based on a true story. I didn't, I don't, how did I not, not know this? When Gran Turismo first came out, I was playing PlayStation. You know, I have the first Gran, I think I have at least the first two. I'm trying to remember how many Gran Turismos I've played. And it it was a a cool game and everything. You know, the the graphics, even back then, I'm I'm sure there's like so so incredible, you know, compared to when when the game first started. And they did a really good job. You know, I'm not like a super duper, you know, car, you know, nut or anything like that by, by far. But when playing these games and it, it was like a different level, you know, when, when you compared it to like Need for Speed, totally, totally different. Need for Speed, from what my limited recollection is, you know, that was more like arcade driving. And Gran Turismo, it, you know, it's like they keep re- referring to it in the movie. It's, it's like a simulator. And it, it, it was really... It was more hardcore because you know there was aspects of it where you had to, you could like kind of modify your your car, you know, and it wasn't so much like RPG levels, but maybe to an extent it kind of was where you know you could adjust the different things, whether it's like the brake or the torque or you know whatever stuff like that. And for me personally, I wasn't super crazy about that. I'm like, you know, I just. Uh, you know, for me, it was just like, oh, give me need for speed, you know, just let me go in there and start, you know, hit the button, start driving and moving. But there is some, you know, there's definitely, you could get, a, you could feel the difference between the driving mechanics of that. Because need for speed, from what I recall back then, it was a little kind of, kind of like more, not, not necessarily clunky, but it, it's it felt like it was n- less natural the way the car move, even though you're talking about like a, a hunk of metal moving. So there's really nothing natural about it. But the Need for Speed, um, oh, I just looked at, I just actually clicked on the, the Wikipedia page, and it does say subtitle based on a true story in some countries. Okay, so that's why they're really pushing that. But you know, there was something to say about about Gran Turismo where it was, you know, a, a lot more realistic and, and all that stuff. I remember my, my brother-in-law, you know, Red Lamp, if you, if you remember Red Lamp from Comic Vine, he, he really, you know, was into it. His family, you know, the, the cars are like a huge thing in her family. You know, his dad and his grandparents and, you know, his mom, you know, they were like into racing, like, like legit racing and stuff like that. You know, that whole side of family, so super into cars. And so he could, he really could appreciate the games and, and that, that part where, you know, you can just modify the cars and change things. So with the idea of, of this movie, I'm just like, um, we have a kid playing Gran Turismo and they're going to do his contest. And then whoever wins a contest is going to become a real life race car driver. And I'm like, uh, how realistic, how is that even possible? Because it would be the same thing where, you know, yes, they have like flight simulators and, you know, we, all that, but it's not like you're going to have someone playing um, ace combat and then all of a sudden they're going to go out and fight a, a fighter jet. 
and, and you know maybe that's a little different because it's a plane and you know with a car you've probably driven a car and so you you know you know how to drive a car it's just you're going a lot faster and it's different different whatever mechanics so it's it's kind of that idea but there are some you know without getting into the and they don't really like fully explain this but one of the things that they would do in, in the game is they mapped out the, the courses you know they, they do mention some of this you know there's like one time that the kids like i've i've raced this this course you know so many times you know i i know everything so there, there's something to do to say about that because like i remember just this you know a few weeks ago i was, I was playing a mario kart <laughs> totally different playing mario kart with my daughter and you know i played mario kart back back in the day and all that and uh it's just okay. I, I, a part of it is knowing the tracks, because you know I, I remember. Like, so here's the thing. Now you know playing my my daughter who's an adult, and of course, of course, I want to try to beat her. You know, I I gotta prove that you know I'm this old school gamer who played Mario Kart back in the day. And there's the fact that you know she's you know with the you know she's she's been with the, with the switch she's been playing a lot more so she's got that advantage I haven't played in forever, and I, and so as as you know she's setting it up, I'm like man it I got this unfair advantage because I don't recall the tracks and there is something if you know the track you know where to turn so you know when to slow down when you know all that stuff so going back to. The, I won't go and say my result. I did win. I did pretty well, um, but she beat me. It, it was it was kind of even. I forgot who who how we did at the end of the, the 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 tournament cup. Anyways, we're not here to talk about Mario Kart. They they so there you have that aspect with in Gran Turismo where like if you're going to play you know whatever this you're gonna not play, but if you're gonna race this course. If it's something that you're familiar with now, how many racetracks are there? I mean, you have to really remember those and, and you have to be really into it because, you know, if there's, you know, 50 racetracks or I don't even know how many there are, you know, the noted difference is like, okay, there's a straightaway, there's going to be a turn here and this, you know, whatever. And it's, it, it could be a little tricky. And I guess what you could do is go back and check, play the game before. It's not like, oh no, I'm racing at this place. I have to try to remember. You whip out your game and you say, oh yeah, this is it. So you have that aspect of it where, you know, he, he does mentions that I've, I've raced this more, you know, I put in more hours in this than you have in your entire career type of thing because you have that. And with the, the, the mechanics and, the, you know, the graphics or whatever, it, it is almost the same thing. The only thing that you don't have is the feel of it. You know, you don't have the vibrations, the weight, the speed, the velocity, the G-force, you know, whatever, all this stuff. Plus the fact that you're controlling this big, huge, heavy hunk metal. And that, you know, when you turn the wheel, you are going to feel it. Even though, you know, when the, he was playing at, at, at home or whatever, he's, even if he's using a, a steering wheel and all, all that, you don't feel the, the 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 force of the turns and and everything like that. So there's you can't just throw someone in. So the idea is, and that's where you know David Harbour's character is. He's supposed to be the trainer. You know, he's trying to get them physically in shape and you know get used to the idea. And it would be a scary thing because I I'm pretty sure I mentioned when I did the Cars Three. I think it was Cars Three. Uh, press junket we went to a racetrack in, in the you know sonoma raceway and we you know sat in the back of a car while it's speeding around and it was nuts 
you know, just, just a, and, and even that it's like, you know, seeing the other cars, cause there was three cars on, on the track at the same time, you know, so they, they put members of press into three different cars, you know, they had three people in three cars and the cars are just like zoom, 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 zipping all over. And I'm sure it was like synchronized and all that, but it's kind of freaky when you're going at such crazy speed and you see this other car coming and then it zips in front of you and you zip in. And, and, and so that the idea of you've, now you're in this hunk of metal, and I keep referring to as a hunk of metal, which you know I, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the automobile, but it's like <clears throat> you know, so it's so easy. One little mistake, boom, it's it's over. So it's I can't imagine like the first time they actually got in race cars, and and it's it's one thing when it's just them, you know, because they they started off with that just you know racing on their own, and then it's like okay, we're gonna put after I don't know if it was like all of the like 10 people or however many were at this academy doing this and now you're racing against each other try not to kill anyone or yourselves so it's just just really crazy so you know i don't know how much of the story i should tell and i think i feel like they do a good job now it's based on a true story i don't know what the how closely it lines up but it's it's not like this guy, John, you know, he, he starts racing and then he's like the world champion right away. No, he, you know, they, they, they showed an aspect like he's lucky to even finish the race, you know, in, in some cases. And it's like, you know, I, is he going to place on the podium? That's crazy. How could that happen? Cause these other people are professional. So, you know, you have all that. He has some advantages. They have a lot of other different, you know, advantages as well. So I feel like they do a really good job showing all this. And then there's a the fact that, you know, no, what David Harbour says, like, everyone's going to hate you. You know, his pit crew, they, they give him a hard time because they're, they're like, you're just this gamer kid. What are you even doing here? And, you know, they're, they're supposed to do their job. They're being paid for it. But it's probably they, they feel insulted that they're doing this. And then the other racers who, you know, this is their career, you know, they've spent their lives doing all this. And then here's someone who's just playing video games, trying to do the same thing. So of course they're going to be mad and, 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 you know, whatever. So you have all of that. And I, I just feel that they, they, they did a good job showing all the aspects and showing like the dangers and the training. And then, you know, you also got the, the aspect uh, of, of the family, you know, cause uh, his, his dad, one of the things I didn't realize, actually, his mom was Jerry Hallowell, you know, Ginger Spice. I I totally didn't realize, didn't really think about that. His dad was, um, d- 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 how do you say his name? Jaiman Us- Unsu. I I love him. You know, I, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I can't say his name, but he is a, uh, he's such a good actor. And, you know, he's like the soccer or f- or football um, dude. And he his son's playing video games. It's like, it's like you, you need to do something serious and everything like that. And then the idea of him racing, you know, that's dangerous. You can't do that. So, you know, you, you get a lot of that. There's, there's really um, some good aspects here. Now, there's one thing. This isn't really a... I, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but there was one part, and I, I'm super hesitant about mentioning this because it, it's a little... There's, there's a part of the movie that was kind of triggering for me. And... I, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, is it really even necessary to mention it? You know, it's not really doing anything. But what I, re- I say, I, I don't even think I should, should get into it. But there's a, a part where there is an accident. And, you know, seeing like John's like reaction to it and everything like that. I mean, it was just like, it, 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 was, it, was, it was hard for me to, to see that. Because, you know, I, I, I may have mentioned that I was in a car accident before. 
And I mean, I was been in a few car accidents and it's always been other people hitting me. It's like, what the heck? But this one accident, you know, it was, you know, hundred percent. There's no doubt. There's hundred percent. It wasn't my fault, but that, that, you know, I, I still think about it, you know, even though it's been, you know, a few years now and, you know, I, I think about it all the time and, Again, I know it wasn't my fault, and you know everyone said it wasn't my fault. But you still can't help but wonder. It's like, well, could there something else have been done differently? And and you know, there's always the other things like what splits. What if I would have, you know, five minutes earlier or one minute earlier, thirty seconds, you know, did this differently, did that, you know? So you start questioning all that, and so that was just it was a really hard moment for me. Uh, you know, I don't really want to get into aspects of the movie, but when you get that part, maybe you'll get what I'm talking about. So just overall, without getting into it, you know, it, I, I really had low expectations for this movie. You know, I was just like, I don't even know if I want to see this. I, you know, I liked the game. It just seems silly. I didn't realize it was based on a true story. That kind of, I was like, oh, really? It's like, okay, that, that's interesting. And, you know, it does make sense. And, and I don't, like I said, I don't know the full story. They did have the actual you know, person was a, a stunt driver in some parts, which is like super awesome. So I, I do see how it's possible, how, you know, there, there's some aspects that, it, you know, how you could, could make it work. So it was, um, it was a good movie and, and just the, the, the cinematography, you know, the, the sound and all, all the, the visuals, they did a really good job in just making you feel like you were there. And I just, I would not want to do it. I mean, I, I just, I know some people just like live the thrive. I, I just think it's, it's just, it's so dangerous. And, you know, just even driving, you know, to the grocery store, you never know what's going to happen. You could be the best driver in the world, but you you can't speak for other people. And, and yeah, part of it is, is you reacting. And that's something that, you know, they talk about, it's like, you know, when you kind of get into zone and, and it almost feels like time slows down or whatever, but still, you know, there's just some things that are just beyond your control. You know, you, you can't, you can't stop time and then to avoid things. And it's just, it's just crazy. But I feel I, I was, I was happy, you know, seeing the movie. I'm glad I saw it on a big screen. I'm glad I saw it in one of the bigger theaters also, because that's all the only place they were showing it. And I, I think they did a really good job. I, I did see when I was looking up the Rotten Tomatoes score, then I was like, Oh, what did people think? I, I saw someone say, Oh, the movie was predictable or had a predictable ending or something. But it's like, it's based on a true story. It's not like we're saying, oh, we're going to Hollywoodize this, make some kid become a, a race car driver. Like, th th that's, it's, it's what happened, right? I'm assuming. I don't know. So it's, it's good entertainment. And um, David Harbour, I mean, I always thought he was good in, like, uh, Stranger Things, even though I'm not super-duper crazy about the show. But he was good in that. I thought he was, he was good in Black Widow. I just, I, I don't know, I, I, I really liked him here. And, you know, it wasn't like a crazy, super difficult role or anything like that. But it just, it made me like him even more. And Orlando Bloom, you know, he was good. I feel like he, he didn't have as big a role. You know, he's as important part, you know, his character is important to make, you know, the story happen. But he wasn't, like, crucial. He wasn't in, like, all the scenes or anything like that. But he was, he was good here, too. And, um, and then uh, Archie Mad Mad Madique, which I, I don't know what else he's done but he he was good too where you know you you do feel his his desire you know he really wants to you know this is what this is his dream and you know just that whole aspect and they did a good job 
Um, and then, you know, his girlfriend and, you know, just, I, I just, I just really enjoyed the movie. So I would recommend seeing it. You know, if you're into video games, into cars, into racing, it's, it's worth seeing. And maybe some people are like, oh, this is fake. You know, I watch all the racing and it's not like this. I don't know. I, Cause you know, I'm, I'm not super duper into it like that, but I thought, I thought they did a good job. So I'm going to leave it with that. So you should see Gran Turismo and you should also listen to next week, but that's going to be it this week. So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Logan. They are awesome supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be amazing and awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Um, I, I'm not sure about this coming week, whether I'm going to do the next, I mean, I, I probably should do the next Amazing Spider-Man because I, I want to at least get to issue 50 and maybe, you know, go beyond. We'll see from there. But, you know, I, I'm tempted to talk about uh, Night Terror, whatever, the just and like events in general, you know, for an off of mine. But maybe I'll, I'll save that. So if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And again, I deeply appreciate everything, you know, any, any, any contribution means the world to me. KO-FI.com slash from heck. So next week, I'm really not sure what I'm going to do next week because as far as, as movies go, I think... We have the Equalizer 3. So here's my confession. I haven't seen the Equalizer 1 or 2. I don't know if I'm gonna if I would have a chance to watch that. I wanted to talk about the chosen one. And I I last weekend I started watching it. I only was able to watch 15 minutes. And then I, I just haven't had a chance to watch more. I was enjoying it. I enjoyed the comic. I you know I, I love Mark Miller. I just couldn't do it with, you know, trying to keep up with the other shows and then with school starting back. So I don't, I don't know if I should watch um, Equalizer 3 or because we also have Fiona and Cake starting next Thursday or this Thursday. We also have um, One Piece is, is starting up. I don't know how much of that, you know, I, I would be able to, to watch. And I don't even know if, if there's any interest in, in stuff like that. So I have a feeling like maybe I'll, I'll see Equalizer and, and, you know, and it'll just go, you know, angle it like that. It's like, okay, how is this movie for someone who hasn't seen the other? Or maybe, you know, I'll get a chance to watch the other one. We'll, we'll see. But that's going to be it for this week. I hope you're doing well. And as I would say, if you are involved in school, working at a school, going to school, and you're back, I hope you're having a great, off to a great start. Out of school year, if you're whatever working, hope things are going well. Hope your job is is really cool. Hope you're happy. Hope you're taking care of yourself. And I hope you remember to be good to each other.